Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the I Gotta Ask podcast. My name is Daryl Oliveira. I am your host, and this is episode number 10 with Angela Stinson. Uh, this is the episode that actually almost never was. Um, we recorded this on November 11th, and for whatever reason, my hard drive decided that was the day that it would uh, crap out. Right after we were finished recording, I tried to set it up so that I could get the thing uploaded in the coming days, and my hard drive crashed, and I had seemingly lost all of my files, including um, this this show. And typically, I would have a backup recorder going. Of course, it uh, it failed during uh, this recording. Uh, it would not work. So I decided to soldier on without it and uh, against my better judgment. And then I ended up in the predicament that I was in. So I took my, um, my Mac in to a repair guy who fixed my computer up and told me that my drive was pretty much screwed and that there was no way, almost no way to recover the files on there without sending it away at a cost of approximately three to $700. So, you know, being that um, the show was excellent, I thought we'd, we had a really good show. I just w- couldn't bring myself to, to spend that kind of money to recover that file. So I thought it was kind of gone until, until another good friend of mine, Brian Lofgren, um, I threw a post out on Facebook and asked for some help, and and my friend Brian reached out to me and said uh, that I should get my drive back and that I should uh, buy a dock and try to recover the files myself. Now, because I don't know what I'm doing, Brian was gracious enough to walk me through that process. So I went back, got my drive, um, came home, I actually bought a $13 cable uh, to connect the thing to my Mac externally, and then Brian logged in remotely from his home in Burlington and ran a bunch of stuff that I didn't know what he was doing. He, he wrote some code in like 10 minutes. It was like watching somebody do a magic trick. It was amazing. Um, and uh, magically within 10 minutes, I had all access to all my files again and I was able to recover it. So, so Brian, if you're listening, uh, I owe you a, a big thank you and I owe you a big one. Um, if you ever need a hand with something one day, uh, I owe you a big. So, so uh, reach out. Thanks again, Brian. So this is episode number 10 with my friend Angela Stinson, or Pearson, depending uh, how you catch her feeling, I suppose. Um, She's a friend I haven't seen in nearly 20 years or possibly 20 years. Um, Back in the day, she and I worked our first real jobs at a place called Marswick Warehouse. I'm sure some of you have heard of that giant Canadian retailer. And um, when I first met her there, uh, I realized she was a couple of years younger than I was, but I always felt that she was uh, much more mature and intelligent than I was. And after speaking with her on this on this episode, I found that nothing's really changed in that regard. She's uh, she's incredible. So, uh, although we hadn't had a real discussion in a really long time, um, I have been following her adventures for years um, through her social media posts that she shares, and those posts only reinforce that Angela is is the creative spirit that I remember and has an extremely level head and and approaches everything she does with a mindset of thoughtfulness and in many ways fearlessness. Um, And she's certainly a much better traveler than I am. And I can only imagine that her experiences seeing the world have added to her appreciation for art, fashion and design, which again, she expresses through her use of social media and through her latest venture, which we'll be talking about in the episode. So since the beginning of the pandemic, Angela has been, or she's had to unfortunately transition away from her typical corporate nine to five job that she was used to. Uh, But in its place, she started an awesome business based on her love of fashion and sewing, where she's now creating custom garments, 
um, utilizing what she describes as upcycled vintage fabrics. Uh, she describes it perfectly during our talk, so I'll just let you dive in and, and let her paint the picture in her own words of what her business is all about, uh, because I will not do it justice here, that's for sure. Uh, and one thing I forgot to ask her to do was to tell you, the listener, where to find her products and social media pages. So I'll do that for, for her now. Uh, you can find her business online at audreylou.ca. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-L-O-U.ca. And on Instagram by the same name, at audreylou.ca. And I'll link all that stuff um, through my uh, the, the podcast Instagram uh, page and also the Facebook page for the, for the podcast. Uh, so you'll be able to, to click that stuff and, and find her stuff that way. Um, and I had a fantastic time catching up with Angela. I really hope you guys enjoy our talk today as well. And I urge you to check out her website because I think there's something there for everyone. And her stuff is really cool. She's not only creating beautiful custom-made garments and accessories, but she's doing it with a sense of mindfulness towards sustainability as well, which I, which I find fascinating. So, so please support her any way that you can. We need more small businesses and startups like this. And uh, if uh, they can't stick around unless we unless we support them when, when we can. So so please check your stuff out. And um, with that said, and without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Angela Stinson. So Angela Stinson, or is it Pearson? I mean, it's technically Stinson, but I, I will I will answer to Angela Pearson. <laughs> what was your maiden name, though? I don't even remember. I, St- yeah, I, Stinson. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I kept my I kept my maiden name. Right. So I'm I'm not a Pearson. Yeah. Uh, my husband's last name is Pearson. I will answer to Angela Pearson, but I'm technically <laughs> Angela Stinson. I went to. Uh, I, I, I bucked tradition and I kept my kept my maiden name. And you know what? That's totally fine. I mean, I've like, there's plenty of people that are doing the hyphenated thing these days too, and doing both. And I mean, there's something to be said for it. Like, I think it's a little bit antiquated, you know, going back in uh, to the olden times where you had to take the guy's name. Like, I think we're beyond that. You know, 2020 is sort of do what you want, sort of. And if that means keeping yeah. your own last name or hyphenating or whatever, I'm all for it. Whatever. You yeah. know, it is what it is. There wasn't really much question, honestly. I think I was like established in my career. It wasn't, I didn't really think about taking his last name. And I thought about hyphenating it, but then we basically have the same last name. Yeah. Right. So then it would be like Stinson Pearson. That's too, it's too, it's too the same. (laughs) Well, that's, I think that's why I had a hard time remembering what your actual maiden name was because they're, they are so similar. And I've known you for so long on like social media. Both of us are babies that you know remember a time without internet or social media but yeah during this time of social media you start to see these names and as people change their names that becomes sort of the new memory that you have of and like i i was trying so hard i'm like is it pearson or stinson i can't remember what her maiden name was so yeah but yeah it's so nice Mystery to be talking solved. to you by the way thank you for doing this i really yeah i'm really it. i'm happy to chat with you it's you'd been be, a long time it has and you'd be surprised how hard it is to get people to come on my my show like I've I started it a couple of years ago and then uh I got a job I was out of work when I started it and that's kind of why I started just to keep myself from climbing the walls uh in between looking for jobs right but um it was really hard to get guests I had this huge list of friends that I thought I'm gonna get these people to come on because they're they do awesome stuff and you know they're super interesting and they like to talk and and we have great conversations and then I go hey you want to be on my show and they go 
uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's talk about it in a month, and then nothing. So I'm really happy when anyone agrees to do it, and I'm super excited to be talking to you because it's been like 20 years, maybe, since we had like a. When I heard your voice, we did that little pre pre uh, interview thing the other day on Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when I heard your voice, it was so nice to be hearing it directed at me because I think I told you that <laughs> I had heard you on social media, but not directed directly at me. So it's so nice to be talking right. to you. So I, I love that you're here. Daryl, hello. Nice, <laughs> nice to see you and talk to you. <laughs> Talking with you, directly to yes, you. Directly to me. Directed That's at right. me. That's right. Yeah. The attention hog that I am. I love it. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Angela and I worked together at a retail store when we were in high school called Marksburg Warehouse. And I was thinking about it the other day after we got off our call on Saturday. And like I look back on that store. It was funny because it's just like a high school job and I didn't think it would ever turn into anything full time. Honestly, in my head, I always figured I'd move on after high school, which I did like six months at high school. I kind of moved on from Mark's. But I look back on that time very fondly. Like we had a lot of good times and I fell a, like out of touch with everybody. But I'm so disappointed that I did because you guys were all so fun to work with and became like you become like a work family. Right. And then all of a sudden oh, you, yeah. you move on to different things and then you lose touch and it's like, ah. And then social media and, came and around. Yeah, it's natural. It's natural to, to get out of touch, but that's why it's so great to connect again. Like this is just such a great, well, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, such yeah. a good tool to kind of oh. reconnect with people. Well, it's like I was just saying, but like it, we fell out of touch, but then as soon as social media came around, a lot of us followed each other. Like all yeah. of a sudden I'm talking to Chris Axford again and Erica Hamilton, who's now Erica something else, which I can't remember. And then of course yourself and, followed your all your adventures along there but marks was great it was yeah marks was great marks was so i worked there hmm, grade 10 through oac back when they had oac so i don't know three years four years Mm -hmm. um and how long were you there for not that long i was in cambridge for maybe a year and then i was at marks and branford for a couple maybe a couple years yeah and yeah. that was it. And but we had so much fun. And I, I think we had so much fun. Well, because I mean, it was, it was a great, a great store and the clientele were pretty easygoing. Like there's no, there aren't really very many precious people that walk into Mark's work. No, no. And it was um, honestly, and like the, you know, management there, excuse me, and the owners were yeah. fantastic, you know, shout out to Randy and Diane. Like it was amazing. And then of course they had yeah. their couple of their kids working there and, you know, it was just a great time. I just look back on it and honestly, it's just fond memories. Like in simpler time, you know, like yeah. we were just kids, you know, like honestly, like my nephew is in yeah. grade nine and he's like a baby, you know, and I think back, like I started working at Mark's when I was like in grade 10 and I was like, I must have just been an absolute baby, right? I know. And they left us alone in the store. They gave us keys and said, here, sell stuff yeah. and here's handle all the cash and make sure everything works out. <laughs> and hopefully no, <laughs> hopefully nobody screws anything up. A bunch of high school kids. The place is still standing. They're still successful. Like it's amazing. Yeah. I know we, we did it. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how we, we didn't burn the place down while well, there was no open flame anytime, but you know, like that we know we, of, I mean, who knows what was going on in the back? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but it was good. And you know what Mark's was. So I was obviously good friends um, with Heather the owner's daughter. And so maybe that's how I got the gig. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't really qualified. I didn't have any job. I didn't have a job before then. So, um, but I think I did a pretty good job. 
I think you were well qualified. Well, I, and it, it groomed me. It totally groomed me. Like I will say Marx was, I know this sounds crazy, but I, it started my career in some way too. I do believe it. Um, and like learning customer service as a kid like that, like as a young kid is, was, was so important. I learned a ton. Um, and you know, you learn about products and, and in a way learning about fashion and yes, it's more workwear, but I learned a lot about fashion. I learned about textiles and materials and construction and sizing all of these things at marks yeah. that have like helped me in my in my career in yeah. some way too so yeah. i think it's actually probably it wasn't just a high school job in a way for me it, i think actually it, i have to give it more credit than that so yeah thanks it's so thanks, inter- randy it's so interesting <laughs> that you say that you know because you're talking about like the customer service aspect like even the job i'm in now like i work in local government right and and i'm, I'm a supervisor for like a, a roads crew right for a municipality and okay and so I'm dealing with customers a lot. And honestly, I credit that job, just like just like you just said, I credit that job a lot with teaching me how to deal with people and angry people, um, you know, because it's not, they're not angry at you, you know, they're angry at situations, you know, and, and all you got to do is massage them through it. And I don't know, I honestly, I learned a lot. And, and it wasn't just from the interaction with the customers, like other people there that have been there a long time gave me a lot of good tips, you know what I mean? Uh, including like Randy and Diane, watching them when I couldn't handle something, if they were around, bringing them out and watching how they handled it, like it was, it was awesome. It was just good, good life experience. Like not job yeah. necessarily job experience, but life experience. How to talk to people, how to handle even things like um, handling difficult situations at the like the cash register. I'm sure I got ripped off on those scams. Or like, oh, I'm gonna give you a, a twenty, and you're gonna give me back a, a five and a and a, and a seven. And I'm like, what? what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Carol, this is this is simple, simple math. Oh, Nobody ripped you off. There's no way that anybody. There are people you off. that pull those scams. And I'm sure <laughs> I, I remember like a, a couple of times at least where like I was very confused. And actually, I think Heather even helped me one time that I can remember specifically. The guy was I, he, I think he was trying to pull one of these. It was like a busy time of day. They come in when it's kind of busy. They watch for it. And then all of a sudden they're trying to fool you with how much cash they get back and and I, I, we may have solved it that time because Heather came over and she's frantically tick, 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 punching on a calculator. And, you know, like, what's this guy saying? But I'm sure that I, I got ripped off at least once. Um, I don't remember too many times that the till was out at the end of the night. But, man, like, I am not good with numbers as it is and money. And, like, making change was always, like, brutal for me unless I had the register do it for me. And so when those guys start pulling those – or Lord, ladies, I don't know what, what, what they were. I keep saying guys, but – I feel like I, I may have got ripped off once or twice. <laughs> well, you're forgiven. I'm sure you're yeah. forgiven. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it didn't hurt the store's bottom line one bit, but. No, no, it was good time. So they've moved new location. New location. Here's a plug for Brant, Brantford. Mar- it's now Mark's. I mean, I still call it Mark's Work Warehouse, Me too. but it's classic Mark's Work Warehouse. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, new Mark's. So they've just located next door, but stores open they've they've moved on like they've they're moving on up and and store apparently looks beautiful i've seen it on social media so it's good good for them and it's like next generation you know it's a great family business so their son is now running the place i think randy and dan are still involved but i think doug is is really running it and so yeah it's it's great it's great to see it i'm just so happy for them i gotta stop in there and and see him if he's if he's actually running stuff i and it's weird with the masks now. Like, it might be hard for him to recognize me or whatever, but maybe I'll just quickly do, like, a little peeky, like, hey, it's me, and put it back on. Or maybe I'll give him a heads up that I'm coming or something. I don't know. 
I'm sure I can find him on social media somewhere. I feel like from your nose up to the top of your head is pretty distinctive. I don't know. I, I recognize I could recognize you. I've had this happen in uh, in the grocery store a num- like twice now where I'll see someone and I don't know if it's them because I'm like, they're behind a big mask, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got a hat on and I'm like, is that him? And then I'll kind of be like, I don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, and then have it not be them. So I'll look away and then they'll call my name. And I'm like, I also had a hat and a mask on, but you recognize me. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's funny that you say that because it's happened a couple of times where I for sure thought, well, even if I see someone, they're not going to recognize me. But it happened. So people must be better at that than I am. I don't know. I like to think that I can remember faces better than names, but maybe not half faces. Half faces. That's the trick. I don't yeah. know. Something, but it's something about your about your nose up is distinctive. I'm I have a, ca- I have I a cartoonish know. figure to my face for sure. <laughs> Maybe that's what I it think, is. I think that's why kids like me a lot because I look like a like a Muppet sort of. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppets are great. That's a compliment. I'm telling you, that's great. <laughs> you taught me a lot about fashion working at Marks. Believe it or not, you were the first person really? before Stretch Fabric came in. Stretch jeans. You taught me about the jeans lunge. You remember? Like I had these <laughs> pants on. I'm like, this is this is these pants are too tight, Angela. I don't like these because I was transitioning from wearing big pants because I used to be like a skater kid and I wore big pants. Mm-hmm. And, and then I and then the, the fashion of the time changed to like more skinnier pants. So here's Daryl buying a pair of uh, more slim cut pants and they were tight as hell. And you're like, whenever I put a pair of jeans on out of the wash, I do a couple of lunges first. And then you showed me and I'm like, oh, my God. And I used that trick for years until the stretch fabric came out. <laughs> so thank yep. you for that, because it's a big, a big uh, help to uh, or it was a big help when before the days when jeans moved with your body. It's so true. A couple of lunges do 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 just the trick. It just, it just feels right. And you know, it's, if you can't lunge in jeans, it means they're, <laughs> they're too, too tight. tight. You. Yeah, exactly. you should not wear them. <laughs> <laughs> I have lunged in jeans before I've, I have ripped more than one pair of jeans in my life, actually doing lunges or other stupid shit. You honestly, ripped them? Like, yeah, actually I ripped, ripped them. I, I have, yeah, I've, I've definitely, I've ripped at least one pair of jeans in my, in recent memory. I ripped a pair of jeans out in a bar in Seoul <laughs> in South Korea. <laughs> we were doing high kicks. Oh that was, my it God. Wasn't, it wasn't lunges, but it was high kicks. And uh, yeah, ripped a pair of jeans. So they were clearly too tight. I think I'd had them for too, a little too long too. So they had uh, maybe, maybe they were time. I shouldn't have, I should not have packed them yeah. on an overseas trip, but I did and uh, ripped the crotch right out of my jeans. I love in, it. Um, in the middle of the night. Yeah, that was fun. It. I love it. It's a good story. Yeah. Rip, ripping your jeans in Seoul, Korea is not many, not something many people can say, especially doing high kicks. <laughs> high <laughs> kicks. And there was a group of us doing high kicks, but I was the only one that uh, had uh, my jeans. My jeans didn't make it. So and it, was, and it was like a rip, like it was like an echoing rip sound, too. So it was it was pretty bad. And it was anyways, long, long story, probably not a story I can go into too much detail <laughs> on, but it was a good it's a good one, and one it. that I reminisce with on those with the, the people that were uh, of course. on that trip. Of course, yeah. how can you yeah. not? How can you not? I know. You'll have. That I know, forever. but you know what? I'm telling you, jeans. The quality of jeans. I don't know. It's a bit dicey with some with some manufacturers now too, because Mark's jeans, everything they sell pretty much is like a heavier, better weight yeah. fabric, and they do last. They last so much longer. If you take care of your your denim, they will last a lifetime. Yeah, but. There are, I think even the stretch fabrics these days, sometimes stretch actually contributes to 
not as long of a lasting pair of denim. Yeah, so, I can definitely attest to that. Like definitely, like I yeah. was buying old or uh, American Eagle jeans for a long time, and those things just wore out like like nobody's business. Like six months, they're garbage. Like literally, the yeah. crotches like wore out of them. And then I yeah. started buying like for work just these like cheaper jeans. I didn't want to buy like big expensive pairs of jeans to get dirty at work, all greasy, like helping people with trucks and stuff. So I started buying like uh, like these like Lee jeans from like Amazon. The things last yeah. forever, and all I do Lee, is, but. I wash yeah, them. Yeah, classic. Yeah, wash them, hang them to dry them, and they last forever. You know, like it's yeah. and they move like they're the bet they're the most comfortable jeans I've ever had for sure. Like of all the stretch fabrics I've ever had, these are the these are the best by far. Let's see, Lee Wrangler Levi's. Those are yeah. they know denim. Yeah. They know how to make them, and they will they'll last. Yeah, it, yeah, like it pays to buy the 1800s or something like that like levi's has been in the jean games it's like or denim games since like the 1800s it's insane yeah you know? yeah do i you, think they're uh, the inventor yeah do, do you know what i was thinking about after also after we had our call because i i started thinking like just back to the days and like you know all the routine stuff we used to do like lock up at the end of the night and then chat at the car sometimes for a little bit before we hit them do you remember the car that you drove well, how can you not remember that car <laughs> the chevy citation Oh, you remember? How do you remember that? Because it was amazing. That's how I remember it. I loved that car. It was hilarious, and it was like in such mint shape for the year. It was like old, but like mint, and it was awesome. It was... The interior was amazing. That brown, <laughs> like yellowish brown interior with the even yeah. like the dash was like tan colored. I loved it. Yes, I loved it. Okay, so it was a 1985. Chevy Citation. I was born in 84. The car was in 85. So I was slightly older than the car. Um, we, my parents bought it for my brother, who's two years older than I am. So he drove it for a while and then I got it. But I think it had, I'm going to say 10,000 kilometers on it or something Holy when God. we got it. Right. And so the person who, at the first, we were the second owners. Right. The first owner never drove it, obviously, because right. it was. When did we get that car? I don't know. The year 1998 or something like it was. It was a 15 year old car when we got it, right. and it had 10,000 kilometers on yeah. it. Something crazy like that. Yeah. So mint, mint condition. It was a maroon interior. I I appreciate maroon? that you were. It was maroon. It was like this. Yeah. It was it was maroon with like a brown maroon dashboard. Okay. All right. The front seat was a bench seat. Yeah. So I remember that everybody had to go up and down, up back and forth. So my brother and I had different positions. So every time we get in the car to go to school, like if one of us was driving, depending, we had to, you know, both you both kind of had to scooch right. to get the whole front seat right. to move up or back. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, it was a tank. It weighed so much. So it, it went straight very, very well, but it did not do curves very well. If there was any kind of snow or ice on the road, right. it would just continue going straight instead of turning. Um what else? Oh man, like it was mint condition when we got it, but by the time my brother and I were done with it, there was basically nothing left of the car. There was, I think, a hole in the floor in the back seat because some we had a battery sitting in the back seat for a while, and I, I think it leaked through, and like <laughs> there was a hole in the back seat. And then by the time I was done with it, the dashboard light didn't work, <laughs> so we had a we had a. A flashlight, flashlight strapped strapped to the the steering column, and it was it was bungee corded. And so the best part is when you would like make a right turn or a left turn, the flashlight would also spin with the steering wheel. Um, oh man, like 
it was great. Everyone loved that car. Everybody wanted to drive that car. There's something. It was just a giant hatchback. It's yeah. Just, never made anything like that since then. Not it is Chevy. a unique. Not Chevy. No, no. I mean, everything Chevy makes now. I mean, aside from their pickup trucks, I just. I don't know. I I just haven't liked it in years. Like the old Chevy stuff was cool. Like I actually liked that Citation when you had it. I was like, this thing is cool. And I I've always liked cars, and I could appreciate how mint that thing was for how old it was. But it's funny how <laughs> your memory plays tricks on you because I totally remember that interior being like, like um, like a dark tan, like like a yeah. almost like a like a light brown or dark tan. And the, I remember the dash being tan. And then you say it's maroon, and that yeah. doesn't even like that doesn't jive with my memory. So I'm like, man, I, that's weird that like how, because it's so long ago, right. You kind of build these yeah. things change. Right. But I, but I mean, dark tan. Amazing. Yeah. Dark tan would have been of the moment as well. Yeah. That would have been very much mid eighties. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't blame you for that, but that's just how memory works. Right. <clears throat> like totally. it's those, sometimes you remember those small details perfectly. And sometimes those small details just morph over time. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, such a great car. Yeah. I so, I mean, I don't know what ended up happening. I think it went to, I think it went to my stepsister for a while. And then I, I'm, I, I'm not sure when it met its demise, but. Um, <laughs> someone, someone could be driving it still. Who knows? I knew I worked with a guy that had a K car like re recently, what? Like, like within the last 10 years, the guy was driving a K car and I'm like, he's like, it has 50,000 kilometers on it. And I'm like, how are you? But it shouldn't even be like it should have rusted into a pile on the ground by now, and it didn't. Yeah, somebody took care of it. It was some some old lady's car or something, and and the guys. They don't make it. them like they used to. They don't no. make them like they used no, to. No, they're, they're that building. makes me sound so old when I say something like that. But it is true. But it's the absolute truth, and it's the same with a lot of things. But I mean, cars in general, like like planned obsolescence for things like phones and stuff now. Like that's one thing, but like. You know, like uh, cars and should last longer than 10 years. You shouldn't be scrapping a car after 10 years because it's falling apart. And a lot of cars are like that now, unless you buy something really quality, like Toyota or a Volkswagen or something that's going to last you. You know what I mean? But some yeah. of these, like, some of these other manufacturers, like, especially these little ship boxes that Chevy makes now, they're just, yeah. they don't last. They're not built to last, you know? It's brutal. Yeah. What do you drive? I We have two Toyotas now. So I have a little oh, okay. Scion that I replaced my Volkswagen with last year. Um, that's really fun to drive. Like I just wanted something manual. Nothing comes in standard anymore. Uh -huh. So I found this 2015 Scion thing, and I and I love it. It's it's been it's really good on gas. It's peppy, plenty peppy for me, and it handles like it's on rails. It's amazing. And then my wife and I uh, just bought. I put this in in air quotes because they can't see it on the thing. Her vehicle, her truck. So we bought a Forerunner. Okay. We bought a 2019 Forerunner. Nice. But, uh, but I mean, it's my second vehicle because okay. like I'm of the belief that like you need two of sort of everything, those important things like vehicles. If you, if you both work like we do and, and I'm not home and the car's not here and all of a sudden she has an emergency and doesn't have a vehicle. So we bought a second one, even though we don't probably don't really need one. She's working from home full time now for the last like five years. So, but we wanted another vehicle and we wanted something capable because my little car, in really deep snow doesn't do all that great. It's light, you know. So we went out and bought a truck. About the truck we wanted forever. We we had a Rav for years. Loved it. Thing yeah. never broke. It's 15 years old. Gave it to my dad. It's, he's gonna he's gonna drive it for another five years probably. Yeah. So we bought we bought the truck we wanted. What Amazing. You, we go ahead. We 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 looked at the Forerunner. <laughs> we bought it. We bought a, a new car. So we've had two cars in my lifetime. 
Um, we didn't have a car for a long time. So we lived in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So Brantford, then went to university, met my now husband while, while I was in university. Right. And then we lived in Toronto for, I don't know, a couple, couple years and didn't need a car. We lived in, you know, downtown, so didn't have a car. And then when we moved out to Calgary, um, finally bought a car. So we had a Kia Soul for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt drove it all the way across the country with our little dog at the time. Oh, so yeah. it was good. It was a good little car, but oh, it yeah. was little. Yeah. So five or six years ago, we bought a Sorento. So Kia still, we liked, we liked the soul. So we have a, a Kia Sorento. Yeah. We've had it for six years. Great. We're going to, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep yeah. it until it's done. Like it will be our car. And then we'll probably, you know, we'll, we'll buy a hybrid or we'll buy yeah. an electric vehicle. Probably. Our probably. Next car yeah. Be. The next one will likely will be something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, though. we are, Keys are great. yeah, it's, you know. We've had really good luck with it. Yeah. It's a solid car. And we looked at, we looked at, you know, some fancier options, like used fancier options, but for the value, you know, like we got a really nice new Kia Sorento for way less than the other way options less. we were looking And you get a killer warranty that nobody else yeah. offers, like yeah. a killer warranty. So they're, they're really trying to make a name for themselves and they have, you know, over the last 10, yeah. 10, 15 years, they really have like stepped it up and, yeah. and you do get a lot of value in those cars, right? Yeah. I just don't know, and like, for, for my peace of mind, we wanted another Toyota because we had good luck with it, right? And that's why we're, yeah. we're sort of sticking with it. And I've not heard of anyone that's had a bad experience with Toyota. But to be honest, I don't know anyone that's had a bad experience with the Kia either. So it's yeah. like, it's true. you know, they're good. They're good vehicles. They're well made. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's good. We're, we're a one car family. We yeah. have, I mean, my husband, I think if, if he had his way, he yeah. would get a second car. He would get, he would get something ridiculous, like some old I don't know, project car that he could work on. He doesn't know anything about cars really, but yeah. <laughs> he has this dream of having a garage and working on a car. Um, I think he would, I think he would buy another car, but yeah. we just don't need it. I've been working from home for 10 years. He, I mean, he takes the car to work. He actually bought an electric scooter yeah. this summer. So he could scoot into work um, if I needed the car one day. Nice. So we do have a second vehicle. It's yeah. an electric scooter. Hey, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that, man. Like honestly, if you live close enough and you can bike or or take something some other kind of transportation like that, go for it. Like why wouldn't you, right? But yeah. you know, and I mean, you guys are like you're big city people. You've lived you're in Calgary now, right? And you're in Toronto yep, before. Calgary. So really, you didn't need vehicles. You know what I mean? We're in yeah. Cambridge, where like you can't walk anywhere. Like from our neighborhood, the closest like corner store is like a 25 minute 20 25 minute walk. You know what right. I mean? So you gotta. There's no, uh, there's no messing around. Like if you need to get somewhere quick, you need to take a vehicle, you know? Fair. Yeah. That's speaking fair. of, fair uh, point. speaking of your husband, I want to transition a little bit here to your, uh, to your travels because you, your husband is like, he's got a heart of gold because you were gone. I, I was looking back. I went deep, deep creep <laughs> creeping into your Facebook, uh, back all the way to 2014 where you shared some stats on on your travels that year for work. Oh, wow. 225. Okay. Let me let me just make sure I get this correct here. <laughs> 225,000 kilometers flown, 91 flights, and 165 days away from home in 20, 2014. <laughs> yeah, insane. that sounds about right. Yeah. How did... Yeah, how that's... Did, like, how did you manage that? Because I'm not... Like, I like to travel, but I like to travel in small bursts. So I can't imagine being away from home that much in a year. Like, how... Did you... Were you able to make that transition into that when you took that role on with, with the company? Like, were you able to ease into that or, or how did you take that? 
Yeah, I, you know, it, it felt pretty natural, I guess, because um, I, so 20, 2014, that's my stats in 2014. Okay, so that's four years into living in Calgary. It's my first year. Uh, so I, my first job, I worked as an interior designer for a design firm. And then that was in Toronto. And then I moved to Calgary because um, Matt got a job out here. So I started, I kept working for that same design firm when I moved out to Calgary. So I was traveling a little bit. So from 2010 to 2014, I was traveling once a month or so going back to Toronto to, um, to the office because the office was still was in Toronto um, and I was here in Calgary, but I was doing work in Edmonton. And so I kind of started to travel quite a bit for those first four years of our marriage um, when we first moved to Calgary. And then 2014, I got a new job and that required just so much more travel. Um, and I think I'd had that little taste of it already. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I liked it. I, I didn't I didn't mind it. And I was I'm I like routine and I'm in, I like efficiency. So I just yeah. became really exceptionally good at traveling. Like I would leave for the airport with two minutes to spare like I knew exactly when I needed to leave to get to the airport through security to the gate like everything was so planned out and I think traffic? I found it yeah yeah no like just because I was leaving at 5 30 in the morning yeah. to get my 7 a.m flight so so I you know I could it was predictable enough right and there were certain things I'm like okay I'm never going to take a red eye because I did it once and I couldn't function for 48 hours, basically, it yeah. just ruined me. So I started yeah. to put rules in place. And I think it was those those rules that really kept me sane through all of that, um, re, you know, incessant um, travel, not incessant, but, you know, just repetitive travel. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, like, I, it just, it felt really, really, really natural. Um, 225,000. Yeah, that's a, that's a typical year as of 2014, as of this, like the job that I took in, I guess it was 2013. That would have been a typical year right up until last year. Can we say, so I, can we say who yeah. you were working for at that time? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I was working for a company called Simon's. So figure three, I, I took interior design at, at Ryerson um, after high school, went to, went to university Ryerson four years there. And then right after graduation, I got a job as an interior designer at a design firm in Toronto. Um, one of the big clients that they landed was Simon's. Um, so they're a fashion retailer, a Canadian fashion retailer. They've got stores across across Canada, but at the time they had only they only had stores in Quebec. So they were just starting their expansion outside mm. of Quebec. Um, so I was working on some projects outside of Quebec as an as a consultant, mm. uh, interior designer, and then uh, moved to Calgary. And at this at that time, Figure Three, the company I was working for, was doing a store uh, for Simon's in Edmonton. So mm. I became the site, the air quotes site girl. Um, going back and forth to Edmonton from Calgary on behalf of Simons. And then as soon as that store opened, the CEO of, of Simons offered me a job to come in house to kind of lead development of the rest of the stores across Canada. So hmm. yeah, I worked for Simons for, for seven years and that's, that's where the travel really like took off, went from yeah. yeah once a month to once a week, basically. Wow. So, yeah. And so like walk me through, so you say interior design, but like mm -hmm. to a guy that, that doesn't know anything about that walk me through what you were doing for them at that time sure yeah so uh so it was retail design so really the client came to us with a program they said we need this many square feet we have this much stuff to fit into a store and it's in this many departments ah okay go and go and design the store so we would gotcha. we would 
we would plan the store first and kind of allocate space to each department. And then we would go in and understand who the typical shopper was of that specific department and design the environment. So everything from flooring, lighting, fixtures, um, art, um, you know, all the elements that go into a store, the, the, uh, the team that I worked with would, would design. We did all of the, um, all the design detail drawings for that store as well. And then a, a partner architect would do all of the construction drawings and manage the construction. That's awesome. So that was, yeah, it was good. It, it sounds was like a, a fun job. It was a really fun job. And yeah. How, how many and, years did you and, do this? I did that for... Like with this company? Six, I'm six. So as a designer, I did six six years designing, four of which were designing for Simons. And then when I moved in-house to Simons, my job shifted quite a bit. I didn't oh, did do it? any more design. Yeah, I didn't do design work anymore. Basically, I was I was the client. So I was the one meeting with the designers right. um, to, to, approve, to approve designs. Um, or I did a lot of real estate development. So I would be scouting new locations for Simons, um, doing real estate deals, leasing negotiation. And I uh, still, still worked a lot on the art side because we did a lot of like large scale commissions. Um, so I would, I would lead up a lot of those large scale commissions with artists. Um, but I didn't, I didn't actually design anymore. I was out of that. Um, but I was very involved. I saw all the designs. I just would say yes or no to the design, I, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't come up with that vision for, right. for each department anymore. Yeah. That's an awesome job too, man. That sounds like a lot of, like, again, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's so like, like you, it's so romantic to think about that. Well, when you're a kid, you know, you think about, I want a job one day where I can travel around and, and see the world and, and you know, do something fun like that instead of just sitting in a cubicle. Like, you know, like it, there's a lot of travel. And I'm sure it was, it was tough on, on your husband not having you around all those days of the year. I don't know. Maybe you not. could, I don't you could know. ask him. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was good. You know, yeah. like it was good. I, we, we can, we can talk about it, but no, it was, it was actually, I think very healthy for our relationship. Yeah. And you know what? Some people do well with that. Like, like my, like I'm, I like to be alone. And so, Every once in a while, like, uh, you know, it's it's like these days, it doesn't really happen. It's rare. It's more rare than ever to be alone because you can't really do anything. My wife's working from home um, during the winter, like when we had the, the pandemic, when it, when it was in full swing, I was, uh, uh oh, I suppose. I don't know. It's it was rough for the listeners. We're back. Uh, if you heard any glitches there or edits, weird edits, it's because my computer wasn't plugged in. And so my conversation with Angela came to an absolute halting, grinding <laughs> stop. So here we are. We're back. So we were just talking about uh, your travels. Um, yes. I was just saying how I don't know how my wife uh, would handle that, to be honest with you. But uh, it sounds like you guys made it work with being gone all those years and so many days. But again, like you look like you had such a good time during those travels, right? Like, um, the other thing I was going to ask you about, like, how, so you talked about being commissioning artists to, for artwork for these stores. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've really noticed about you over the years is how, like how much you're into art and how much you appreciate it. Where did that love come from for this? Or like, did you, did you said you went to school for interior design, but did yeah. you do any art stuff in there as well or? Well, I, I mean, I think it was, I think it's always kind of been baked into me a little bit. I loved art class in high school. 
I mean, I think I loved art class probably in kindergarten and grade one and whatever, elementary school too. I guess the entire day was really art class in kindergarten. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like I just was always into art. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My high school art class, like I considered um, doing a fine arts degree Mm -hmm. in uh, in, after, after high school. Right. And I really considered it. And, um, but on the flip side, like my, my, my dad's an engineer and he was really pushing engineering. Sure. And somehow, actually, I think it was my my brother-in-law was like, you should take interior design. Right. That's like the beauty, beautiful combination between art and engineering. And in a lot of ways, it's true because um, certainly there was a lot of um, there was a lot of architecture that I took in um, in my interior design studies. But mm. we focused a lot on art as well. So yeah, I took a, I took art history all throughout university. Mm. Um, got kind of got an appreciation for for art history and kind of that's probably where my love of museums started too yeah was was in university and and then I mean I was never really qualified to be leading art commissions in my job but I certainly had a love for it and I think um a lot of it is just finding the right artist and then having the trust in the artist to create the best piece for the space right and so I think I developed that kind of relationship with each artist and that kind of trust with each artist. And that's probably why it worked out so well. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a love of art, kind of just natural love of art mixed with people skills, which mm-hmm. I learned from probably Mark's work warehouse <laughs> going back to Mark's. All the way back um, to the So yeah, I know it all comes it's all full circle. Um, it's funny that yeah, you mentioned so, museums because I like, that was the other, one of the other questions I was going to ask you here is you, you visit a lot of them. So I'll, clearly like you're clearly you're into art. Like, half of your Instagram posts look like something that should be hanging in a, in a gallery somewhere. Like, uh, and that's why I was asking if you went to school for any of this stuff, because you know, you, you've got this eye for turning like a mundane hotel room, you know, playing with the, like the light and the shadow and then the angle and the composition to make it look like something really cool. And I suppose, or maybe I shouldn't suppose, but did, do you find that that comes out of sort of boredom from sitting in those hotel rooms all those times or, or from having sat in those hotel rooms all those times? Maybe a little bit of boredom. I think honestly that, so, so you're talking about my, I have this hashtag Angela laser head. head. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you really went, you went deep into the Instagram. I didn't have to for that one because that one, I, I I honestly (laughs) followed that. I loved seeing those posts because they were like, I'm an amateur photographer, right? I didn't go to school for it. I didn't take any classes. I just, whatever I know about photography came from YouTube essentially or the internet. And so when I find someone or, or even one of my friends, like if they're, if they're posting photography heavy stuff on Instagram, as opposed to just, here's the burger I had at uh, the old Marina restaurant or whatever, right? Like it it intrigues me and I want to, I follow it. Like I honestly, like I know you're traveling or she's going to post an Angela laser head and then boom, there it is. Right. So, so that's where that, I didn't have to dive deep on that one. Fair point. So, but that particular hashtag or project, whatever you call it, um, that comes from my poor memory honestly. So it was, I guess, I don't know when that started, 20, 2016. It started in 2016. Um, my husband was turning 40 at the beginning of 2016. And so we decided, I, I, I decided he wanted to stay home, but I said, no, for your 40th birthday, we have to travel somewhere. Pick, pick where we're going. So he had two choices, Iceland or Disney World. <laughs> Those are his two <laughs> options that he gave to me. I love it. Iceland or Disney uh, World? Yeah, yeah, that's 
I mean, that sums up my husband very well. Um, so, so I, I chose Iceland and we went to Iceland for the beginning, the first week of January, which is a crazy time to go to Iceland, but it was beautiful. And so that was the first crazy of that year because it's cold and icy and you know, you, isn't it, it always like that like, there though? Isn't that kind of, the, no, no. No, the summers are green and lush and it's never really hot in Iceland, but oh, okay. you have 24 hour sunlight in the, in June and wow. you have, you know, because it's so far North. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, so you get like these endless days in the mm -hmm. middle of summer. And so on the flip side, the first week of January, you get like four hours of sunlight wow. and the sunlight is as if the sun is going down for those four hours, yeah, all four hours. The, the sun is so there. low. Yeah. yeah. So it's beautiful. It's so, so beautiful but it's cold. It's very windy. Um, it is icy. Like the rental car we had was spiked, spiked tires and we needed wow. spiked tires because it was, everything was just ice. Wow. So, so we go to Iceland. It was the first trip of the year. And I said, okay, I'm going to do something. It's the beginning of the year. I want to start a project. I've been traveling a lot. I've been doing 225,000 kilometers in the air every year for the last couple of years. Yeah. I kind of forget where I've been over these last few years. They've just been a blur. So I said, I'm going to start a project. I'm going to take a picture on every trip. And it just started with a bed, a picture of a bed. And my very first picture, I remember, was not super well composed. Like it was just a picture of a bed. Right. Um, but then they started to become more artful and they really typically were the bed. And I would try to compose them like with, you know, balance and symmetry and color and light and shadow, all those design principles that I learned in school. Uh, kind of applying them to the photography. And so every time I went somewhere, I went into to a, a hotel or an Airbnb, any any new bed, I would take a picture of it. And honestly, for me, it became a way of journaling and a way of remembering where I've been because I, I really had kind of forgotten the previous two years. It was, it was a blur. I'd wow. kind of forgotten how many trips I'd taken, what I'd done on those trips. And and so the project for me was a visual reminder of the trip. I could I could remember so many details just by looking at that photo of a bed. It's oh, funny, yeah. I would remember meals or I'd remember the places we would hike or the museums I went to or yeah. whatever. Like there was all these other details that would come out of the woodwork by looking at a photo of, of, of a hotel bed, which is really strange, but yeah. it was just like this trigger. It was a, a memory trigger for me. So I've continued it. It's year so to 2016 yeah right through to 20 2020 is a, a bit lighter obviously than yeah. other years yeah um but in a lot of ways yeah it's just a journal it's kind yeah. of a journal for me yeah the, so i didn't have to go deep on the angel laser head because like i said I, I follow obviously i follow your instagram i see it in my feed but what i did dive deep for was something that i remember that always i always used that i love that you always did on facebook which was the the dear 23f series where you talk <laughs> about the people next to you on the airplane <laughs> Yeah. I don't know whatever happened to that, but yeah, those are good. They, they, I see them as reminders on Facebook and they make me smile. I don't know what happened either, but I wish they still uh, existed <laughs> because, uh, because here's, here's one. So here's a short one that I'm going to read because I think they're right. hilarious. And I, and I loved, I always literally like people write often type L L L O L as though they've laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud at a couple of weeks. I was reading them to my <laughs> wife last night. We were laughing at them. So this one goes, Dear 12E, we only just sat down and already you have picked your nose, wiped it on the seat in front of you, and asked to borrow my phone to call home. Wait, dot, 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 I am now typing on said phone. <laughs> Which, <laughs> to me, that's like, 
you're bordering on like stand-up comedy now. Like these, these could have been tweets and they could have, I feel like they could have been very popular because there's so many people that travel that have these experiences, but nobody ever talks about them. You gripe yeah. to the person next to you that's traveling with you if you have somebody, but that's usually as far as it goes. But here's you yeah. sticking them on Facebook and making people laugh. So I always appreciated that. So I did dive like way back to find those because I thought they were hilarious. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, you're right. They're just, they're, they're, well, for me, it was like an everyday uh, occurrence because yeah. I was on planes so often, but I, I knew it. Well, number one, I knew it would resonate with people right? and, and it would make them laugh. Like I was just happy to make people laugh. And number two, again, it was this, a bit of a journaling. Like I, I really wanted to remember these people because I don't remember that person sitting in 12 E until you mentioned it right. to me. Right. Like that would never come up in my brain. <laughs> until you reread that to me. And I'm like, oh, I remember that a hundred percent now. It's just, it's that, again, it's that trigger. And, you know, these people exist. It's not like they're one-offs, you know, like there was a lot of very interesting people I sat down beside. So people are characters. Like one thing I've learned, like I'm 30, I'll be 39 this year. And one thing I've learned is that you can categorize people into like literal characters. Like there's people in my life that remind me of television characters. Like people have have told me right. that I'm like I'm like a George, like from Seinfeld, because I'm neurotic and crazy uh-huh. and you know, all this kind of stuff. And and uh, and I I, I would sub- somewhat agree. I would say <laughs> I would say wholeheartedly agree. But I somewhat agree with that. But then I started to notice it. Like as I got older, I'm like, man, that these people are literal characters. You could just write down everything they do and put it into a script, and it could be on television. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah. I mean, that always, those always made me crack up, always. Like, I, I need to start those again. I have had requests, honestly. I've had a few requests because sometimes I'll re- yeah. repost them as memories yes. on Facebook. Yes. And people do say, where, what happened to those? Please bring it back. <laughs> and I don't know if it's that I have started to ignore people more it, as I traveled more. I, I started don't know. to just people out more yeah. or if people's etiquette actually has improved since these posts. I, I can't believe it's that, but um, I think we just change as people, you know what I mean? Like, like we were talking about earlier, like 20 years ago when we knew each other, I am not the same person I was 20 years ago. And I, you know, I would imagine that you would feel the same way about yourself. We, mm-hmm. we've done a lot of growing in that time. And if you're not, if you can say, Oh, I think I'm the same person. You haven't done enough growing in your life. You haven't looked and yeah. you know, you haven't been introspective enough to to find those those faults in your character and fix them, you know. So I'm definitely like I, I am not the same person I was 20 years ago. And I think as you change, different things become more or less important to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you become maybe more sympathetic to the guy that picked his nose and wiped it on the seat or whatever. Maybe that's yeah. a bad example, but I don't think I could forgive anybody for doing that right in front of me. But <laughs> but do you have any any characteristics that are like are are very much from your past like are there certain things in you today that are so you from 20 years ago Uh, or do you think you've completely evolved no i definitely haven't completely evolved i mean nobody does that i mean there's a reason people say have that saying people don't change you know people don't change at their core you know your values that are instilled in you when you're a kid you sort of you're going to keep those with you forever you know what i mean Your, Mm -hmm. your parents put some things in you that you're going to you're going to hold near and dear for probably your whole life but i mean I was a lot more hot-headed as a kid. I'm still hot-headed. I still have a temper. Things still infuriate me. Like sometimes they're little things and I have to force myself to, you know, let them go because they drive me bananas, but like I would have you know, I would have said things to people and and called people things that I would never would nowadays, you know what I mean? Just yeah. just cuz I was an asshole. I was a young kid. I was 
and yeah. Portuguese, you know, European blood, like just angry, hothead, you know? Yeah. And I, and I've tried so hard to grow out of that. And I'm, I think I'm more tolerant of different people and, and these different characters that I was talking about. You know what I mean? Whereas back in the day, I would have just written someone off as, ah, fuck that guy. I don't like that guy or whatever. Right. But yeah. now I kind of see it as, man, that guy's been through some shit. You know what I mean? And he's a little bit angrier than some others, but it's because he's been through this crap. And as you get to know these people, you can become more tolerant of these things. Right. Yeah. I think so. empathy comes with age and experience. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> you worked for Simons up until when? Up until the pandemic sort of hit? Yeah, a couple, uh, yeah, so I was I was good old pandemic termination, that was me. Um a few months after the pandemic. So it was I mean, it wasn't a total surprise, but um a lot of the development work Oh, you're there. I'm okay, here. sorry. The a lot. I I thought my computer had froze. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was on the other end of it. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of the development work was slowing down with the company, and pandemic was very hard uh, on a retailer. So lots of factors. Um, but yeah, I was. Um, there's a good story. I was actually abolished. I make a I make a funny story about this. So it was a French translation. The company I worked for had headquartered in Quebec City. And uh, the term that they used was abolished, which I guess is what you say in <laughs> French, but you don't say that in English. No. So it was kind of a funny. So, yeah, I, I was abolished. Um, <laughs> but it's been I, I mean, it's OK. It was OK. It was OK. And it has continued to be OK. And I still look really fondly back on my seven years there. It was like it was a, it was a great job. It will be hard in a lot of ways to top that job. Right. Because um, it was, I got to do so many great things and I mm -hmm. met so many great people and traveled to so many great places and, you know, accomplished a lot in those seven years. So, and at least you grabbed those experiences. You know what I mean? Like, at least you had the opportunity to take those experiences and sucks that it's over. And, you know, I'm going to ask you now, like coming up here on your new sort of venture yeah. here, but at least you were able to acquire those experiences and, and grow yourself just like we were just talking, right? Like talking about. So, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm I'm happy for you that you got to experience those because I have not, and my <laughs> my yeah. work experience has been extremely boring, very technical, you know, just not not anything that I would call fun, you know, in any sense of the word. But you have so many other joys, though. I think like you have the opportunity, as I've been following you, yeah. you get into a lot of side projects. Like it seems to be your thing to start, you know, to yeah. to try new things and to really kind of take the energy that you're not necessarily getting from work, you put it into something else, which yeah. is really great. You know, for seven years, I just worked. Yeah, that's all I did. I didn't mm -hmm. have time for anything else. And so I but think that's, that's not true. Great. You're visiting all those museums and you're taking all these great photos of like these places that you're visiting. So it's like it's work, you know, but it's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. And but but that it was part of work, you know, like yeah. the museum wandering part of it was for work. Right. Part of that was, you know, my research and to understand um, you know, I, I would, I would be in a museum and I would spot a great Canadian artist and I would take note of it to say, okay, I wonder if they do large scale commissions and research them to see if mm -hmm. they could be a fit for Simon's. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. And part of it was just like, I want to, I'm in all these great cities around the world. What's the one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to take some, a couple of hours, um, and go to a museum. Like mm -hmm. it was a bit of a, a project for me just so I wasn't in the office and in meetings the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go to these great cities. It was kind of like a little bit of a, 
I don't know. It was, I think it was one year as I made a resolution to mm. go to a museum. Every city I go to, every trip I take, take two hours, go to some sort of cultural institution. Um, and it, it was great. Like it really was a, it was enjoyable, but it was also really beneficial for work too. Oh, yeah, so, I believe. so again, it was, it was work, work derived. Whereas you, you're like, I, I love the guitar. I'm going to commit to this. I'm going, you know, and you, I mean, you have an amazing collection of guitars, <laughs> right? I have and a collection. This, I have a collection. Okay. I wouldn't call it amazing, but okay. it's, it's pretty good. I have some nice, I have some nice guitars. I have guitars yeah. that I really like and uh, they are like artwork to me, you know? Yeah. Whereas like you actually do collect artwork. Like you have pieces in your house that make me very jealous. <laughs> and especially like the Paris Hilton one in your dining room, if it's still there. It is. I love that thing. Every time I see a picture, it, it makes me smile. And like, I don't know who painted that, but it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a piece by Janet Werner. She's a Montreal based artist. And um, so the piece is called Paris. And it's I mean, clearly it's Paris Hilton. Clearly. But her her work, she she's a really interesting artist in that she takes inspiration from lots of um, uh, popular you know, like figures, like, pu like public figures. Yeah. And yeah. she'll kind of mash them together, because if you notice in that piece, it's Paris Hilton's face and her like side eye glance, yep. but she's wearing this almost like Chanel suit, which Paris Hilton would never wear. No. So it's this like mashup of two different people or many different people in this one painting, but it's so clearly Paris Hilton right. at the same time. So yeah, that's Janet Werner. Um, we bought that at an, at an auction here in Calgary. It was a fundraiser and it was a live auction. And the best part was um, the live auction was pr just prior to this live au auction, there was this, um, an art talk. So there was a, a conversation with this art critic named Adam Gopnik interviewing Steve Martin. And I don't know if you know anything about Steve Martin. He is like the most amazing man. He's this great actor, obviously is an exceptional insane banjo, yes. insane comedian yeah. plays the banjo, like yeah. an amazing banjo player and is a huge art collector. Oh, wow. So he actually, um, curated a group of seven show that traveled around to a few museums. Oh, like wow. he's, he, he knows his shit. It's amazing. So, I mean, I love Steve Martin before I knew yeah. all this and then this made me love him even more. So he was there at this, um, uh, art event. Um, and there was this big live auction. And so I went to this event because I was interested in a piece of art for one of the Simon stores. And it happened to be the first piece up on the auction block. And so the auctioneer was there, uh, but the very first piece, Steve Martin actually auctioned. Oh, so wow. I bought a piece of art for the Simon store from Steve Martin. Oh, wow. That's insane. Which was very, which wasn't like, it was just this crazy, surreal, very what fun What a story. Moment. That's amazing. I know. So he actually was like yeah. the auctioneer? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's God. like, yeah, he was the auctioneer and like looked at me, lady in the black dress like oh. we had a bit of banter back and forth it was like it was it was That's awesome fantastic was, man i yeah. love stories like that like i'm a huge stand-up comedy fan like i don't see enough of it especially these days but like yeah. i've only been to a few shows uh over the years but i listen to a lot of it i listen to a lot yeah. of comedians podcasts i i watch a lot of it on youtube and all these specials that netflix is putting out like crazy yeah. So to hear that you interacted with Steve Martin is insane. Like I touched Bill Burr's hand. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you're familiar with Bill Burr. I touched yeah. his hand. We went to this thing where he, he was in Toronto for just for laughs, and we didn't actually see his set, but we saw this sort of Q and A with him. And then he kind of slipped out the back, and we had just stopped to go to the washroom. And so I was waiting for my wife to come out, and he comes out of the back with uh, the moderator. I forget what his name is, and I'm like, 
holy shit, Bill Burr. I think those are my exact words. And I stuck my <laughs> hand out to like shake his hand and he kind of just grabbed it. Didn't really shake it. He kind of just gave me this kind of yeah. loose high five shake. And, and I was like, what the fuck? And I got to ask him a question like during the Q and A and it kind of made the him. Well, I don't know if he chuckled, but some of the people in the audience chuckled. Mm-hmm. And then I got to touch the guy's hand and I thought that was a huge thing. But if I had bought a piece of art from Steve Martin, that would have like blown my mind. I didn't touch him though. We did no, not make contact. We made eye contact, but that's still, great. That's an awesome still, story. Oh, I like yours better. I really wish that <laughs> that was something that I had done, but I love it. It was, it was a cool moment. So in that, in that same auction, yeah. you know, piece number six or seven or whatever was this, um, this Paris piece. So it was so funny because we were kind of in the back of the room because I was relatively new to Calgary. Nobody really knew who I was. I just, you know, and I, I didn't present myself saying, oh, I'm interested in this piece of art. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be this like random lady in the back row with a paddle bidding on the most expensive piece of art in the room for, for the Simon <laughs> store. Yeah. And then, you know, seconds later or minutes later, I put my paddle up again, or maybe it was my husband that bought it for, for this Paris piece. So I think everybody, by the time the auction was over, they're like, who the hell is this couple in the back row buying all this art? <laughs> yeah. High rollers. High yeah. rollers in the back. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, it was fun. And it's a great, it's a great piece. I love it. Paris watches us eat dinner every night. Um, I love it. Yeah, it, it is fantastic. It really is fantastic. When you first posted it, I was like, this looks awesome. Like that's something I would want in my house. And my wife sort of, our art tastes are sort of back and forth. And I'm not, I don't think either of us is a real sort of connoisseur of art in any way. You know what I mean? But, um, but that one, for some reason, really struck something with me. I'm like, I love the look of that. And it's not the only thing. You've posted a bunch of like the pieces that you have in your place, and they're, they're all awesome. Like Your place looks like a really fun place to live just because you're surrounded by all these beautiful pieces, right? Yeah, we're, we're I guess, I guess collectors. I mean, not, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't super deliberate. I, right. But I think um, it just has slowly come come over time. And I right. think when we... First, I mean, the very first piece of art that I put up in our first condo that we owned in Toronto was actually a story that my husband had written when he was like six or eight years old. I it was remember like this. A, yeah. Okay. It, did you post it on on Instagram I'm, or? or I'm sure. Yeah. Years I ago, I must that. have posted it. Yeah. And it's this great story. It's four pages long. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know fifty words long, short and sweet. But it's the most ridiculous story, and it's but it's also very funny to read. And it's got these great illustrations that my husband did when he was a little kid and right. his mom laminated it. And anyways, I think the gist of the story, there's somebody that dies in the end. <laughs> and I think if the story was written today, the child would be sent to, you know, for <laughs> evaluation. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. um, but back then it was just what kids did. So yeah, totally. I loved it. I, ca- I came across it. We were going through some stuff at, at Matt's um, mom's place and yes. came across it. And I said, I have to have this. We have to frame it. So that was the first piece of quote unquote art that we had in our house. And so for a while I would make our, I would make stuff for our walls um, because we didn't have any money and, you know, but I still wanted to fill, fill our house with things that meant something. to Yeah. So, so yeah, we got a few pieces like that. And then we just kind of started, you know, we got a little bit more money and said, let's start to collect a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's kind of grown, grown over time. And and so I've tried to buy, you know, things that we both love and, and really we don't agree, my husband and I, on art very often, honestly. So tough. Um, but when we do, we buy it because yeah. we know it, it's, you know, it's, it's a winner for us if we can both agree on it. Oh, totally. And yeah. Yeah. So, and we started to collect 
things that, you know, some of the artists that I've worked with at Simon's for large scale commissions, I try to get pieces sometimes too, smaller pieces, obviously, um, for my own collection, just because I have such a connection to these artists. Yeah. So I want to have something of of theirs in my home. Oh, so absolutely. I've collected, yeah, a couple, couple pieces from different artists that I've worked with too, which has been great. It's so amazing when you can agree, like as a couple, that this thing or this piece of furniture or whatever is so like, it strikes something in both of you instantly and you know it's the right thing. Uh, that is my favorite thing. We're recently like shopping for a couch and everything, like my wife's showing me stuff on, on like, uh, what's that re online retailer? Not like Amazon, but not quite. Um, ah, crap. Wayfair. Oh, Wayfair. Um, yeah. So yeah. she's showing me this stuff on Wayfair and I'm going, I don't want to order a couch on Wayfair and have the thing show up here and not be what we want and not sit on it and not see. And so she reluctantly went out with me and we went to a couple stores and we just we saw the couch and it was almost it's hilarious because it's almost identical to the couch we're replacing or that we replaced <laughs> but it was different enough that it was like right. okay it it fills some holes that we were missing with the other couch right it needed to be right. a little bit wider and a little bit more firm and so we ended up we looked at it we were out maybe an hour and it was the like the first place we went boom there it is and it's like you can't think about it you, you just can't have to think do about it, it. yeah pull we, the trigger yep, yep. And we sat on a bunch and all of a sudden we rounded the corner in this in this warehouse and there it was. And we're like, wow, that's that's the one. Right. And so it's and like it'd be the same way with art for us. Like we've never really gone out and bought art together. Um, but like there is this print that we got at Ikea of all places years ago. And they don't it's, yeah. it's really expensive now, but it was cheap at the time. And I'm sure you've seen it. It's super iconic. It's this American girl walking through the streets of Italy. And there's all these cr really creepy Italian guys. And I always thought it was staged. I always loved it because I'm like, look at all these creeps, like, you know, whistling at this girl and there's two guys on a scooter and they're they're like making a face like, ooh, like, look, you know what I mean? And then I come to find out years later, I Googled it. I'm like, what is this print? So I Googled it and it's now like 150 bucks for like the cheapest print you can buy unframed. And I think we paid oh. like 40 for it or something at Ikea like a bunch of years ago. But it's the, I love looking at it and it's in such a weird place. We just had an argument last night because I'm like, we need to move this because I love it and I want to see it more. Instead uh, of where it's kind of hidden on this wall and there's a cat tower in front of half of it and it drives me crazy because I love the picture, you know. And I come to find out years later that it wasn't staged at all. It was actually what? a real picture of this this American girl in in Italy. Um, I, don't, I don't know what city. I'd have to look it up again. But she's wa she was just walking down the street and this photographer happened to see this scene unfold with all these creeps like and it was it's years ago right it's it's an old picture it's probably from the 50s it's got to be the 50s it's black and white and you know she's she's got her scarf cinched up and she's trying to you know she's got her held head, head held high but she's clearly terrified of all these creeps right and right. different culture like being an american and yeah. also being in italy and having a, and so when i look at that it just it evokes all these emotions in me and i love it you know what i mean and so i'm so happy that at the time my wife also liked it and thought, yeah, that'd, that'd be great in our place because it's one of my favorite things hanging in our house, right? And then anything else has sort of been sort of, we find this thing, hey, this would look good on the wall, but we're not artsy people, right? So we yeah. don't, unless it's a photograph, it doesn't really do much for me. Like paintings don't really do a lot until I see some of the stuff that you post and I'm like, I really like that. And I kind of <laughs> but, uh, well, you should move the piece. If you love this piece, move it. I'm definitely moving it. I mean, and... she's going to lose that battle because... Yeah. It is way too cool. Anybody that comes to our house that's not seen the picture walks up to it and goes, holy, like, what is this doing here? I really like this, right? It yeah. it just has something about it. 
right? Yeah. So it's and if you love it that much, do. you will be happy to see it every day. You won't get oh. sick of it. Oh, That's, absolutely. You'll you'll keep and you'll you'll start you'll continue to find new things in it years yeah. and years and years later. And I do. That's what's it's so beautiful about that. art. It's funny that you say that because I do every time I look at it, I see a different expression that I maybe haven't noticed before or not noticed enough. You know what I mean? Or a little yeah. detail in the the street is all like cobblestone. You know, because it's old, right? It's it's old world yeah. Italy and and it's an old country, so things look just different than what you're used to seeing, right? But it's in yeah. a spot where I can see it. It's just not in the best, like, the best spot. It needs to be more presented, you know what I mean? And I'd actually like to get a better frame for it. It's kind of got this really cheesy, like, Ikea aluminum frame on it, and I'd, I'd love to put it in something nicer and hang it somewhere appropriate, right, or proper, but, but yeah. Just do it. I just pull gonna, the trigger. I think Go I'm do gonna, it. Yeah, so good. Tell me a little bit about this, uh, or not a little bit, I want to talk about it a lot. This new, the whole reason I'm talking to you today is about Audrey Lou. This new... Audrey Lou. yes, that's right. What would yeah. you call this uh, this business that you've started? Um, well, it's, I mean, I, I okay, I'll back up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a garment business. So I, I am making custom made, but also a few kind of accessories, mm-hmm. um, ready-made accessories, mm-hmm. um, mostly for women, um, out of vintage fabrics mm-hmm. that I've kind of collected over the last few months, um, sewn up into fun garments. Um, and then I dye them. So I've taken this kind of like classic 70s, 60s, 70s prints and dyed them to kind of create a new, a new more modern version um, of the print and yeah. making them into to clothes. So um yeah, a little bit of a departure from my my career, um, but certainly a, a passion of mine. Um, sewing, so the business came out of just people asking whether I could make something for them because mm-hmm. I started sewing with the pandemic. On day almost day one of the pandemic, I bought a sewing machine online. It took like six weeks to get here. So May, I think it was early May, the sewing machine arrived, and I just started creating things for myself. Um, and I had so many people asking me if they could make me or sorry, make them something, um, that I just said, why not? I'll just, it'll be fun. I'm going to start a website. I'll learn how to build a website. I'll start an online shop. It'll be fun. Why not? Um, and so it kind of took a lot of things that I love. So fashion, I mean, I've been in the fashion business kind of removed obviously by on the real estate side, but certainly involved in the fashion world for a number of, number of years and have always loved fashion. Um, and I think I'd also kind of put together other things that I loved, which would be, you know, really about sustainability. So I love the idea of upcycling fabrics. I, I learned so much working at Simons. I did a lot of sustainability work with Simons. And I learned just how much of an impact new fibers and new materials have on the environment. Yes. Um, yeah. so, so it was just kind of this great fit. I, I was having a lot of fun sourcing vintage fabrics and kind of remaking them and upcycling them from, you know, sheets a lot of them are just vintage sheets that i turn into you know kind of more elevated garments yeah and they look fantastic like those vintage fabrics like when you i love vintage things right so and i always have even when i was a kid like seeing something that's old and i remember thinking back then like and it's funny how your tastes change i always liked the look of old but i never wanted it like when i bought something i wanted it to be brand new but I always mm-hmm. knew there was something special about things that looked old because they'd been around. Mm-hmm. They they held this history of their own or or like a, a life of their own, right? A soul almost. They've taken these things yeah. on. So when you when I saw you doing the vintage fabric thing, I was like, that is genius because not only are you clearly helping the environment by not having to create these new fabrics, the vintage stuff is 
like you said, upcycling, and you're using it to produce new garments that people can wear. And clearly, these fabrics have la lasted the test of time. And presumably, if somebody takes care of them, they're going to last again, like a number of years. Yeah. Right? Instead of just buying some piece of crap from Walmart or on Amazon and throwing it away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was a little bit of a battle on fast fashion, you know, like that is, there's a huge world out there of fast fashion. And I, I understand why people are so, why it's so alluring to have something new. Um, but I mean, it's hugely impactful. It really is. And so I think the best thing, well, there's two things that anybody can do if they want to live a little bit more sustainably as it comes to their wardrobe. One is to buy better quality so that they last longer, yeah. right? So the longer you wear an item, the, the, the lower the environmental impact is, obviously. If you can wear something 100 times versus the average person wearing something, some studies say three times, some studies say seven times, but like the average garment is worn less than the amount of fingers you have on your two hands. That's like insane. It's, it's insane. It's, it's really sad. Um, so I really wanted to to make something that was going to last. And then by upcycling, you're reducing that environmental impact that much more too. Mm -hmm. So really it's twofold. It's, it's trying to lessen the amount of new fibers that are created, new materials that are created, but really trying to create pieces that hopefully last a lifetime. Yeah. You know, I want your, like, just like your jeans, you're buying jeans that yeah. you're hopefully are going to last, right? Yeah. You don't want to well, always be buying new jeans. Exactly. I think you want, I, you want garments that are timeless but also super well constructed. So that's what I'm aiming to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like these days people want more than ever. They want handmade items. They want things that they know have been, have had some effort put into them and they're, they're made by craftsmen, right? And not just some factory in China that's stitching the yeah. stuff up and shipping it to Walmart. You know what I mean? Like there is something to be said for something that fits well. I know you recently just made maybe you've made more but the post i remember was your first custom fit sort of piece that you sent out and like where can you get that online you know what i mean unless yeah. you're paying an arm and a literally an arm and a leg for it and yeah. typically it's going to be again just something that looks run of the mill it'll just be tailored to you you know whereas yeah. yours are like almost like custom made for the for the person almost right? well uh, yeah and they are so i so i ask color preferences, pattern preferences, and some si super simple size sizing. So, you know, a couple of measurements yep. around bust and the hip, really, yep. that's all I need. Um, and I can make a garment that's, and, and really the length. So mm -hmm. I can make a kimono, for instance, I'm doing a lot of kimonos seem to be super popular. Yeah, those popular. look really cool. They're great. And they're, you know, you can, they can be as a robe, you're wearing them inside, you, you know, if you don't want to wear them out in the wild, they're great for around the house. Um, but you can also kind of wear them as a jacket. So yeah. people are kind of doing lots of things with them. And this way they're involved in the process, number one. So they get to choose color and pattern and they're going to have something that just fits them perfectly. Right. right. So I think that's, it's, it's contributing to the, to the, the lifetime of the garment. Cause if it, if number one, the customer has been involved in the process, they have emotional, yes. um, they've got this emotional, um, value in it, yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, if it's going to fit them well, they're going to feel great in it. Yeah. So why wouldn't they keep it? Oh, absolutely. For a long time. So, so it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There is something to be said for that, man, like uh, an emotional involvement to your product so that we're not just mindlessly consuming garbage and throwing it away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like even these, you know, like cell phones, like we get a new one of these every two years and the old one just goes into a like, you know, they're recycling them now because of all the precious metals and crap. They want to reclaim them. 
But in the yeah. old days, like you would just take a piece of electronics and oh, this is old, and you just pitch it in the trash. Literally, it would go yeah. in the garbage. You know, we weren't even thinking like or I wasn't anyway when I was younger. Talk about growing as a as a person or changing your mindset. Like I try to use things to where they're they're not going to be obsolete to me anyway sooner than I need them to be so that I'm not just throwing crap into the landfill, you know? Yeah. And that includes things like clothing, but it's tough for, for a guy like me to find good stuff like that. And that's why I was so like intrigued by like your company. I know you, you mainly focus on women's clothing, um, but you do have some pieces that are, uh, you know, um, for, for that men could wear too, like the masks, for example. Yeah. Like yeah. Masks. I'm doing a lot of like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of cloth, like non-medical, the face yeah. masks. Yeah. Uh, lots, lots of dudes. I'm going to say dudes, lots sure. of, you know, lots of, lots of guys have bought them. And I mean, a face mask, as long as it's, I mean, there are some guys that like floral face yeah. masks and I'm doing a lot of like neutral solid masks as well. Yeah. And again, I'm trying to make a mask that actually is comfortable. It fits well, upcycled materials, organic materials when I need to buy new, like the ear straps or organic cotton. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to minimize packaging too. Like I'm all of my packaging is recycled paper and is fully recyclable. So it's, you know, I think it's it's kind of all part of the the brand and the philosophy. Sure. Um, and yeah, and maybe, maybe at some point I go into men's clothing as well. I don't know that I'm I'm not there yet. I just don't know. Right. I, there, there are there are actually a lot of great options for men out there, and I find men maybe are a little bit less um, willing to commit to a custom a custom product. Like I don't know, maybe they're maybe I'm underestimating um, men and fashion. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like it's yeah. So, so far it's 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 women's mostly, but yeah, the masks. Well, I've sold a lot of masks to men, and yeah. uh, so far so good, and they fit well. Like they're a good quality mask that I think you can wear and wear and wear until we don't need to wear masks anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not just another mask that's like you try it on once, uh, it doesn't really fit and then you just never wear it. Yeah, I'm trying exactly. to make a mask that fits as many people as possible, that's comfortable, yeah. that's, you know, like made of good quality materials that and, you know, some people hopefully are gonna say, Oh, it's a little bit fashionable too. Yeah. I really liked the the I don't know if it was a blue tie dye one that you had and I and I did I thought you had sold out of them. But then I was looking at the website just this morning, and I see that they're there. So oh. if you've got blue tie dye, I'm definitely going to buy one of those from you because I think Kay. that would that would be sick. Tie dye is huge right now; it seems to be making yeah. like a, a comeback, a resurgence. So I'm, I've got I've got some more tie dye coming ooh, up too. Well, maybe I'll wait yeah. then. Maybe I'll wait. Yeah, and, see and, you're coming and it's and well, you may not be into it. We'll see. But I I just made a a new organic, or sorry, a natural dye. I've been collecting, saving avocados. Yes. For the last yes. three months. Yeah. And avocados make the most beautiful peachy pink dye. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, I saw that like, you were talking about that. And also your eggplant dye, I want to ask you about. Because again, talk about environmentally friendly. So that is literally eggplant dye? Or? Egg, no. So eggplant, that's, I've just called it eggplant oh, okay, as the color, okay, right. but it's not eggplant. But there are natural dyes. So I've done. Um, well, that's why I, I thought it was done... eggplant because I saw that you had the, the peach color with the avocado stuff. So I thought maybe yeah. the eggplant was actual eggplant dye. There is a dark purple eggplant dye that I've used Yeah. Um, that is um, uh, made from this. Uh, it's an insect. And oh. I totally blanking the name. It's an insect. It's a bug. Yeah. Um, and it creates this be beautiful purple dye, and I have used it, and it's amazing. It is oh, beautiful. Wow. So yeah, it does exist. Huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, like again, like you talk about guys not having 
maybe the will to, you know, invest in something that's custom made, right? Yes. So there's, there's this guy that makes boots out of the States. And I think that's one of the only things that, uh, where are you taking me by the way? I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) there's there's Paris. There she is. Oh, there's, there's Paris. (laughs) I'm just, my husband just got home. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking him just to be quiet ever so nicely, but I'm taking you on a tour and nobody else can see it, but I'm taking you on a tour of my house and all the I love art it. It at looks the great. same time. <laughs> but yeah, there's this dude that makes these boots and I, and I, and I thought it like, I'm not a boot guy. Like boots don't look, if I put a pair of boots on that are fashionable, they don't look yeah. right on my feet. They don't look right on my feet. I'm not a boot guy. But That's just a mental barrier that you have with your yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, he makes these really cool boots, and they're all they're all handmade. His name is Brian, the bootmaker, and um, that would be kind of the the sort of thing that I would see a lot of guys like signing up for. But as far as like shirts, like a lot of guys are like, at least a lot of the guys I know are not really into like the custom stuff, right? They're not even look. They're not mm. even really into getting things tailored, and it. And it's something I've thought about a lot over the years so that clothes would fit me better. I'm sort of an in-between sizes kind of character, right? But mm-hmm. um, And I think tailoring would probably do me some good. But you're right. It, it's tougher for a guy to commit to something like that because it's not as as important to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might be to some yeah. dudes, but guys like me, everyday Joes, like we're not, we're not into that kind of stuff. But if yeah. something cool came along, you know, like a, an awesome T-shirt, like a custom-made, custom, like, like tie-dye, for example. Yeah. Every piece of tie-dye is unique, right? And yes. I think that's what the, the appeal is for me lately to tie-dye is that it, every single one looks different, but they all look cool. Even if they yeah. come out of the same batch, it looks so different. And, and your dyeing techniques are kind of the same way, right? You dye these fabrics and they take on a new life. They look completely different from the time you start to the time you're finished. And all it is is you're adding color. But yeah. God, does it ever change them? And they look amazing, yeah. right? It's so satisfying. It really is satisfying. And there's, I mean, a little bit of luck that goes into it. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like when it comes out of the dye bath. Right. And even when it comes out of the dye bath, it's going to be darker than the final product. Um, right. So when it's wet, it's going to be darker. And right. some of the dye, as I, as I do the front, the final rinse, it gets, it gets a little bit lighter as well. So there is this, there's an initial transformation, um, when it's in the dye bath. And then once it comes out of the dye bath, there's another transformation to its final stage, which is, it's just really interesting to watch the whole process unfold yeah. so yeah it's it's neat and it's um so the dyes i use natural dyes when i can um, but i have been using more conventional dyes as well all non-toxic but more conventional dyes sure. as well conventional dyes team seem, typically seem to be a little bit more color fast and wash fast yeah the yeah. natural dyes so there's that kind of trade-off between the two but the natural dyes are so much fun to work with but the natural dyes too even if they're not as color fast that adds to the appeal of that thing you know what i mean yeah. like like things that acquire patinas or that fade in an awesome way over time there's an appeal to that too right so like yeah it's not necessarily a downside that they're not color fast they're just it's just different you know yeah and yeah. maybe like as things go on, like, I don't know if, if hopefully I would hope that people are sharing the things that they're buying from you on their social media, but I would also hope that they would continue to show how they're, how they, how they're aging. Right. Because I think they're going to look cooler as they go on being that they're vintage fabrics and they're probably already in a process of, you know, slightly starting to break down at the age that some of them are at. Some of those fabrics look like they're from the seventies for sure. Right. Maybe even earlier. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So they, nothing, I mean, no natural fabric or, or even synthetic fabric is going to last forever. It's especially if you're using it, it's going to, it's going to wear. Right. And I think like some of those things like 
like the kimonos and the masks as they as they age are going to look wicked and the masks especially because they're going to be washed a lot right yeah so like that tie-dye mask over time as it gets washed and some of that dye comes out i think it's going to look fucking fantastic you know what i mean and it's something you're going to want to wear going out instead of throwing on one of those blue disposable pieces of crap that's going to go right into the garbage you know yeah it's it's brutal what we're doing to the environment with all these throwaway gloves and masks it's driving me crazy you know yeah i know it's kind of like this necessary evil um in some ways you know like i think some people just feel more comfortable with the disposable masks for whatever reason i get it um but i think there's also a lot of benefit in having something buying something that is comfortable and that you can just wash feel confident in washing it and still gonna you know provide what you need um so yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like I was encouraged to wear, I was getting tested for a while when the pandemic was low, but I was, I was cut some concerns about work because I had people that were not being careful and they were kept walking up to me. And even though I'd asked them a number of times to stay back and we weren't wearing masks at work that at that time. And I knew that myself wearing one doesn't do anything. Like everybody's got to wear one or, or you might as well not be wearing one. And so, you know, I, I had concerns. So I was getting tested like every two weeks I'd go and get a test because it wasn't irresponsible to do so because they weren't overwhelmed. And I right. wanted to know if I caught it. I wanted to know early because I'm diabetic and I wanted to make sure that like I didn't die from this stupid thing because I'd be in the in a higher percentage of risk for having complications, right? And right. the nurse actually told me that one of the nurses that that did one of my tests told me that the disposable ones are better because they filter more. And I'm going, but that's not... Unless everybody's wearing one that filters more of your own crap, you know what I mean? Or or holds in more of your own crap, like, it's not worth it to me. You know what I mean? Because you're literally going to wear it one day, if that, if even that long, and throw it in the garbage, right? And it, yeah. just, it just drives me nuts. Like, I'm not the most, I wouldn't say I'm, like, over-the-top environmentally friendly, but I have some concerns. You know what I mean? Like, everybody else, like, what we're doing on this planet, we kind of seem like a plague on this friggin' place, and we have to live here, and generations after us, hopefully, will be around for a long time, but not if we yeah. keep doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got to be more thoughtful. Yeah, we have to be. Absolutely. And whenever I see somebody like you doing something like this, like recycling fabrics and going the extra mile to make things that are going to last, like, I love it. I love it. That's why I wanted to have you on. Thank you. Thank Uh, you. Did you say before that you just started sewing at the beginning of the pandemic? Like, had you not done any before? No. So I have a, I I learned to sew when I was 10, 8, 10, I don't know, when I was a kid. So my mom, um, my mom actually took fashion design at Ryerson. So she has a fashion background, never did fashion. Um, she became a minister actually. So kind of had her own. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but so has a great, um, great knowledge of fashion. So she has always had a sewing machine taught me how to sew when I was a a little kid. Uh, And I made a lot of stuff when I was a little kid. Like I was just so excited to make my own things. And I would do like really obnoxious patchwork. I made these patchwork pants. They were red and green and yellow and blue, like all the colors all patchwork together and then made into pants. And I wore them to school. Like I was very, very into them. Um, I feel like I maybe remember those pants. Did you wear them to work? Oh oh gosh, no, I hope not. I hope not. It's possible. It's possible. I feel like I've seen those too. Yeah. Maybe that was part of a Halloween costume. We got to dress up for Halloween one year at the store. I don't (laughs) know. Um, but so I, I was really into making my own clothes mm. and kind of putting my own twist on my on on the patterns that I would um, that I would make from too, and um, so that's when I learned to sew. So that was you know ages and ages ago, and then 20 years went by. So I hadn't sewn for 20 years, but it's like riding a bike, honestly. And sewing machines haven't come 
that far since since the 90s. Um, it's pretty much the same, same technology. So yeah, I bought a sewing machine and I just picked it up again, like really quickly. And my mom was great. She was always there. I've talked to her yeah. multiple times a week. She's there when I have questions. I, I chatted with her this morning because I had a question about how to finish a hem. And of course she had the answer. So so my mom is the Lou of Audrey Lou. Ah, that's what I was going to so ask my, you where the name came from. Yeah. So my mom's middle name is Louise. Ah, okay. So, so Lou is... is is named after my mom and my grandmother, her name was Audrey. So my mom, oh. or sorry, my, my dad's mother. So my grandmother on the other side, um, she had a fashion store called Audrey's fashions. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. When I was a kid and actually she sold it like when I was quite young, but she had it for years and years and years. She had this women's fashion store in small town, Ontario, um, named Audrey's fashions. Wow. And, you know, she was, and that's kind of where I learned a little bit, you know, in terms of customer service as well. Cause she would talk about, you know, just really knowing and getting to know every single customer was so important to her. And she would go on buying trips, have these customers in mind when she went on buying trips, follow up with them when she got back to this to her store saying, I got these things. I think you might like them. I'll let you know when they come into the store. And like she was very much um, about appreciating every single customer. Every customer mattered to her. And, you know, customer service was really important to her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was also just this most fashionable woman. Like she... She was, uh, my grandpa was a farmer. They, they had a farm. Um, so she had these two sides of her. She was this, you know, a wife of a farmer and participated in the farm quite a bit, but also, you know, dressed, was very well dressed when she went to work um, and was really the, you know, she kind of was leading fashion in that small town that, uh, that she lived in. So. so this has been sort of in your blood though. This isn't something new. It's not, it's not new. No, I guess not. I mean, I think it's always been kind of, it's been dormant for the last 20 years, I would say. So, um, th- and this was in, if you don't mind me saying, this is in Burford, yeah. right? Where you, is this where you grew up? So I, well, I moved around a lot. So my, I was born in Ajax. Oh. And that, yeah, Ajax. And then um, moved up north. I always say up north to a very small town when my mom became a, a minister um, her first uh, uh, job, her first charge was in this tiny town called Flinton, Ontario, oh. which is near Bon Echo Provincial Park, if anybody knows where Bon Echo is. I don't. I don't know um, anything about on. Uh, it, I'm embarrassed to say I know nothing about anywhere <laughs> north of us. It's. It, I've never been north of Barrie. It's ridiculous. I can't. I'm that is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Wow. We're fixing that this coming summer. When I'm off yes. night shift, we're, we're taking trips. But Please. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tiny, tiny town, basically halfway between Peterborough and Ottawa oh, in the okay. middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Like the town I, I lived in was a hundred, had 150 people. It was tiny. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So my mom had three churches there. Anyway, not, not in that town, but she had three different towns that right. she, she preached at every Sunday morning. She oh, would wow. do three services. Holy yeah. So, so that was, that was a few years of my childhood. And then, and then we moved to Brantford and then we moved to Burford. So, so there you go. Yeah. But my, so I moved around a lot as a kid, my family, both sides of my family though, are from near Sarnia area. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 So my, my grandmother lived very close to a town called Dresden, Ontario. I've heard so of Dresden, that's where yeah. her store is. Yeah. yeah. Dresden. So that's where her store was. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. So she, so she kind of introduced you into this world of fashion, like way back when. So how I old would you? I think it was, oh, like young, very young, yeah. like since, since the time I can remember, um, 
I would look up to her. Like I would go through, not, I wouldn't go through her closet. She wouldn't let me go through right. her closet. She was quite strict, but yeah. she, yeah. she was like, you know what? She, she would, I remember this, this bag of bangles. She had these beautiful, um, acetate plastic bangles that oh, were wow. very of the time, you know, seventies, yeah, yeah, yeah. early eighties. Um, and I would play store with them. So I would make my brother play with me and I would be, I would be the proprietor of my store and I would lay out all the bangles on the floor and I would make my brother come in and be a customer and, you know, <laughs> negotiate with him to buy X amount of bangles. And this is a younger I mean, brother, right? This, no, my older brother. Your who older I bullied, brother participated yeah, in this? Yeah, well, because I was bigger than him for a while until until I became like maybe eight or ten. My brother then grew up. He was then you know ten or twelve. Right. Was then taller than me and could beat me up. But before then, before I was ten, I bossed my brother around all the time. It was amazing. So he he had to do whatever I said because I was just I was such a bitch, man. I was I was the worst sister. I find that Seriously. hard to believe, but like I know there's different dynamics with brothers and sisters than there are with friends but I can't picture you in that that role at all yeah I was I was a very demanding little sister very demanding <laughs> very demanding anyways so my brother complied uh, until a certain age but yes he he was a he was a unwilling participant right. in my play store right. and uh, so yeah I have that that's a very vivid memory for me and I I mean I was probably four years old wow. at the time so yeah, I All mean, that it's, stuff it's, is cool. It's, it's so funny that you say you go through a closet or like wherever and find these things. Cause I did the same, same thing with my grandpa's stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's amazing. Like how I think every kid sort of goes through that, right? You sort of explore what your parents have or your grandparents have and you look at it and some of it doesn't strike a chord with you and some does. Right. And clearly things like that, like those old, like bracelets you're talking about, like those are, that's cool stuff to find. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause we yeah. don't see that anymore. And, and it probably like, sparked something in you too like now you're working with vintage fabrics right and it probably like i don't know maybe you have some kind of a connection to that i think so like i i think it's i mean i can all these fabrics i'm sure my grandmother had in her house too yeah. right like yeah. i can totally see them there and um yeah they were definitely of the moment then she was it's interesting because she was so concerned of being of the moment like it was important right. for her to be very fashionable and of the moment right um but of course the clothes she was selling were just such high quality then too, right? Mm -hmm. So it was of the moment pieces, but they were also timeless in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, and then now I'm making pieces out of these vintage fabrics that have a sense of, uh, of vintage quality to them. So mm -hmm. she wouldn't have necessarily appreciated the vintage quality because she was, she was really right. trying to be current. Yeah. Um, but I think she would appreciate the overall quality of the piece. I think she, that would resonate mm -hmm. well with her. And I think, the idea of creating custom garments that are really tailored to a client certainly would would resonate with her as well. I mean, she would do tailoring for her customers. She would bring clothes home and tailor things for, oh, wow. for her customers. So that was important to her too. So I, I think in lots of ways she would, it, you know, I think she would be proud of some of the stuff that I'm oh, doing Oh, absolutely. Well, so. I guarantee she would be. It's There's such a, again, like going back to that handmade stuff, like when I see it, it, it just has a different... Like, you know, you see something mass produced and you're like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like mm -hmm. that. But then you see something handmade and it's got this different thing to it altogether. You know what I mean? It's it's like I, like I was saying before, it has almost like a life of its own, you know, and, yeah. and a soul to it. And you're like, it resonates with you. And you're like, I want that. You know what I mean? So I guarantee it's you important be proud to of it. How tell... could you not be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to think so. So, yeah. yeah, I think telling a story is important. I think people love stories. I love, I think people 
love to hear stories. And I think people love to tell stories as well. And I think if your clothes can, can tell a story, that's important. It's why people are valuing experiences so much as well right now, because it has a memory, it has a story to it. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of value in that. So yeah, I mean, I think fast fashion will continue to persist. Oh yeah. Um, It always will. There's always going to be a place for it. Like, like, you know, you're always going to need like a sweat, a pair of sweatpants or a sweatshirt or something like that. I like all that crap's mass produced, but it's comfort clothing, right? You use it all the time. You need it. And, but there definitely is something to be said for adding pieces like what you're making to your, to your, you know, your clothes, like the clothing you have in your closet. You need pieces like that. And, and I remember like, I don't know, like you talk about experiences, you know, like I, I can remember being probably in my early twenties when I sort of realized that, like going back to what you were mentioning earlier about me having a lot of different hobbies and throwing energy into these little passion projects and then they kind of fall by the wayside and I'm onto something new. It's because I realized somewhere in my early twenties, I can't say exactly when, that life is about experiences. It's not about what you collect. It's not about the crap you have. It's nice to have things in your home that surround like that you're surrounded by that resonate with you and make you feel good when you walk into those walls or drive a vehicle that you you enjoy driving. You know what I mean? Driving's a big thing for me. I, I love cars. I love driving. But really what we have at the end before we shut our eyes for the last time is our experiences, you know, Uh and do you want to have regrets for not doing things like you're certainly you're going to have many more experiences than a lot of people have had just with your travels. You know, I don't know many people that travel as much as you do. And even when you were home, like I remember you'd be, you'd be sharing posts from the road and then you'd get home and the next very next day you'd be on a trip with Matt. You guys would be somewhere else on vacation. And like, that wouldn't be me. I'd get home from work if I was on the road. Like I went to uh, Kingston for three days for a course last year. When I got home, I wanted to do nothing. I had the weekend to, to decompress and I wanted to do nothing because I had just spent three days alone in a hotel room walking around Kingston trying to keep myself preoccupied. Um, and then when I got home, I wanted to, I was back to all my stuff, you know what I mean? Back to all my comforts and I just wanted to do nothing. But you guys think nothing about bang, jump on a plane and on off to another country, you know? So... Yeah. It's amazing to me that, that you have that, that ability yeah. to do that. Yeah. I, but I think as well, like that's, it also feels lofty in a way, right? Like to say, oh, I can just jump on a plane and go where, wherever. And it's true. We can do that. Yeah. But I think there's also such a great opportunity to have experiences in your, in your own backyard. And I think oh, sure. a lot of us take that for granted too. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I'm a big advocate for just getting out and exploring your own city because it's amazing how much we don't do that. Yeah, And there true. are these great free things to do in every, you know, in, in our own backyard. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I had a, I, I was a, a, a guest critic um, at, uh, at my, at Ryerson at the School of Interior Design. Oh. And, um, and the students were saying, you know, there was a panel of three or four of us professionals. Yeah. And the students were saying, where do you get your inspiration from? And it kind of went along and the first guy says, Oh, you know, I, I get my inspiration from traveling. And the second person goes on and says, yes, I get my inspiration from traveling. I go to these places and all around the world and you need to go and travel and you need to experience things. And, and it gets to me and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm looking at a bunch of 19 year olds, 20 year olds. They don't have money to hop on a plane and go to Italy and see the finest art in the world. They just can't do that. And so I said to them, go out and explore Toronto. Toronto is an amazing city. Just walk around. You don't even, you don't have to go buy a ticket to some 
concert or you don't have to do any of that. Just go and explore because we don't do enough of that in our everyday life, I think. No. And there is so much to, to see and to explore. So, I, you know, yes, I've had, I am very fortunate. I have seen a lot of great places and have been able to see a lot of wonderful cities. Um, but I also think there's a lot of great things to see in Calgary or in Toronto when I'm back home or oh, where, yeah. wherever, you know, in everyday places and not to underestimate that. So I don't think it's like you have to have a bunch of money so that you can buy a plane ticket to anywhere in the world. I think there's a lot of opportunity to just. No, you're, have, abs- you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like Toronto, especially with, with big, the you know, Canada's big cities, you know, like. Toronto but Cambridge is, too. Cambridge, Cambridge is too. a great city. It really, and it really is a great city. It really is. You know, like, and again, like it wasn't until I started taking photos probably like near the end of high school that I really realized how beautiful of a city Cambridge can be. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. it's like every city, right? You've got these pockets of not so great areas or cookie cutter homes. Like the subdivision we live in is like cookie cutter. Like you drive through it, everything looks the same. But then you drive into downtown uh, Galt, which is the, the part of town that I grew up in. And the architecture is insane. It's beautiful. And we've got these this awesome river that cuts through our town. And, um, you know, like the, the arches on the bridges are beautiful and the old churches and just the buildings that have been around forever down there, you know, like... There really is a lot to see in in your own backyard, but and and I do see that especially with cities like Toronto too. Toronto is an amazing city to walk around in. I've plenty times walked around Toronto and just snap photos of things. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it it's people don't do it enough. They tend to yeah. get blind to what's right in front of them because they just want out of what their normal is. You know. Yeah. But like I was saying before, like I've never been north of Barrie. Like we're gonna go to Algonquin Park for sure this year. We just bought the new truck. We're going to sort of outfit the back so we can sleep in the back of it. I'm not a big yeah. fan of sleeping outside. I tip, I've done it before and it, it's not comfortable for me. I just can't get rest like I need to. And so we're going to try and outfit the trucks. So we can sleep inside of it and see something different. You know what I mean? See the part of Ontario we've not seen before, right? It's ridiculous that I'm almost 40 and I haven't been to Algonquin Park. Like everybody's been to Algonquin Park, right? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm it a is ridiculous. Bit. It's silly. <laughs> And like I, I beat myself up over it. I'm like, how can I have not seen that? Like, how how could I have not been north of Barrie? It's ridiculous. I'm I'm having a hard time getting over that statement. I have never been north of Barrie. Yeah, that's wow. There's so much to see. I've never it's been true. west of Ontario. I've been east twice. Never. I've so I we drove as as children through every province all the way to PEI and back. Okay. Camped. Good. Back, came back. Great. And stopped in all the provinces and checked stuff out. But I've never been west. Never. So also a great, I feel like a road trip is in your future. That's what so. you really need to do. I think so. Like we, we're definitely going to be seeing Calgary because my wife's cousin just moved out to Alberta. Um, oh man, the name of the town has escaped me right now. It's, it's so, it's so distinct. I would remember it. Oh God, I can't believe I can't think of it. Anyway, there's not that many towns. Is it a big town or there's two no, big towns? No, it's not. It's Rest, not huge. Okay. It starts Red with an Deer, L, I feel like. like a, Met Lethbridge. Not Lethbridge. Not Lethbridge. Oh, Lloyd Minster. Leduc. No, Leduc. Leduc. Oh, yeah. Leduc. That's where they are. So, Ed, which is basically Edmonton. Okay. That's where they are. Yes. And Leduc. so we're definitely going to come that way because her other cousin has been living out there for years. She's a real estate okay. agent out there. And um, and so her, her brother, her younger brother just moved out there. Or maybe older brother. I'm not sure who the older one is. But he just moved out there for work. So he took a new job. Uh, same company, but different role. And so he had to move out to, to Leduc and, and they took the family and they bought a very nice farm property sort of out there with some acreage. And 
And so we're definitely going to be coming that way sooner than later. And if I come and the pandemic, well, it's not going to be till the pandemic is over. We're going to have to get together in person and have more conversation like this one. I look forward to that. Yeah. That'd be great. I want to meet this husband of yours too, because every time you share a post involving him in some way, I'm like, this is, (laughs) this is my dude. Like this is a guy that I could get behind. He's a unique man. Yeah. You know what I, uh, you know what I noticed the very first thing was when you, he had a birthday and all he asked you for was an ax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that. I was like, this is I like this guy. I like this guy's yeah. the cut of this guy's but jib. It had to be the right the axe. right one. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Of course. Yeah. Some Swedish. I think it's Swedish or some <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's it's uh that's classic Matt. He has to have I don't know, he gets very fixated on things. Me too. And you know, they have to be good quality and have a story to them. And he uses that axe. We go camping all the time and he loves using the axe and he cuts wood like butter. Yeah, of course. And I love watching him cut the wood. Like it's, it's the whole thing is, is beautiful actually. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy with the purchase, Sure. but it was very much directed. Like I did not go and pick the axe. We went and bought the axe together yeah. because yeah. he was very particular on yeah. this, on this axe. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I mean, that sums up Matt pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, that, I don't think he's alone in like, wanting specific things that are quality made you know a lot of guys are like that there there are a lot of guys that are consumers and they don't care and they just want something you know what i mean they use it throw it away but i've always anything i've ever collected has to be very specific to the you know my likes in those items like guitars yeah. like you said i have a guitar collection i the only real three i have three guitars they're the only ones that are worth anything and they're gibsons and i'm a big gibson fan i'm a i'm a les paul guy and like yeah. I have to stop myself. I'll see a good deal on another Les Paul. And I'm like, stop it. Like, you do not need another Les Paul. Oh, but, and then my mind starts beating me up. Oh, but it's a different color. It's, you know, it's got these different pickups on it. And I'm like, oh, like, I just, I have to stop myself, you know? You and Matt would definitely get along. Not yeah. on the guitar thing specifically, no, but, that, but that thought process yeah. exactly yeah. is him and watches. That's his watch. Me He's too. got a watch thing. Me too. Yeah. So I love watches and I'm a big, huge fan of watches that don't cost normal legs. So I don't have any expensive watches. The most expensive okay. watch I have is like a Seiko that's worth like 400 bucks. And it's, right. and I love it. And I love like, like G-Shocks. I have two G-Shocks. You know what I mean? I'm a watch oh, guy. Oh, okay. You could talk to Matt about G-Shock for hours. Oh my he, God. It's, it's the into, best tool watch like, there is. And there's something about like limited edition G-Shocks that keep coming out now. So he, he'll be on the whatever website, like the minute it comes yes, out yes. to get the, and the ridiculous watches, like he'll buy like the bright white Love I don't it. know, like some love the white some ones. crazy. Yeah, I love the white ones. I don't. They okay, they come in you, so yeah. many. You can talk to Matt. G Shock <laughs> is one of those things that comes in like anything you want, and then they do like crossovers with with different companies, and they they put them out in like camouflage prints, and yes. and like I don't buy any of them because I know if I did, it would be it's a very slippery slope, right? So as soon as I buy one of those like more custom customy type ones. I'm screwed. Like I'm going to fall off the cliff and all I'm going to do is buy, buy G shocks. So I try to yeah. limit myself to, <laughs> to the number of things that I have that are specific to a, a certain brand or whatever, so that I don't yes. find myself surrounded by this collection of things. And one day you're going to end up with like a G shock closet. Exactly. If you <laughs> exactly. And like, just like my wall, I have a wall. I call it the wall of Paul's. I have three Gibson Les Paul's. Hanging on. Nobody needs three Gibson Les Paul's. Right. Yeah. Unless you are into Les Pauls and then you want to have three, but nobody needs three. They all kind of no. sound sort of the same. They do different things. You know, they're very slight, though. To the average person, you would not hear the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But uh, yeah. So but you get so much joy out so of those much. guitars. I look yes. at them and I get joy. Like literally I walk, I have like that room that I, that I always post myself playing in or when I take pictures of my guitars. That room, if you look around, it's just all my stuff. It's kind of like my, you know, I hate that term man cave, but that's like my man cave. You know, we put our old couch in there now and it's got a big giant TV that's like four feet from, <laughs> from the couch. Yep. And it's my, it's my space, but I walk in there. And I see those things hanging on the wall and the sun's hitting them, you know, in the evening. And it just, it fills me with like this. I am overwhelmed by like, I own these things and I love yeah. them and I play them every day. And every day I get to pull one off the wall and play it for five minutes and put it back and play the other one. And I don't know, it just, there's something to be said for collecting quality things, you know, including things yeah. like watches, you know? So I'm definitely on board with him on the watch thing for sure. I'm okay. always looking well. at watches I cannot afford. I would love, love, love a true stainless steel rolex like a submariner absolutely yep. but i'm not paying i'm not paying 10 grand for a watch it's if you not ask matt it will keep its value it and does. it will increase it does it, it does value, so. so there's there's people that say i heard a guy on a podcast once talking about watches that said he was taught by his grandfather that you should always have a watch on your wrist or at least have one watch in your collection that can pay uh, one month's worth of rent and buy you a mattress and a television in case your wife ever oh, kicks you out. What a good equation. Now, by today's standards, you don't need that anymore. We have things like credit cards. But probably right. back in the day when Rolexes were a thing, a new thing, they were very expensive, but it was it's an investment and it is today right. too, right? Yeah, and again, it becomes it, currency. It becomes yeah. currency and it, it goes back to what I've been saying the whole podcast. Like people want quality things, right? Yeah. You don't want to watch, and, and like G-Shocks are cheap. They're 100 and I don't know, 100 to 150 bucks for a regular one and maybe 300 for one of those custom limited edition type ones. But the, but they're quality. They're going to last, right? You can beat the shit out of them. I, I've had one literally for 25 years. That is like the day I bought it. It's in, and I worked construction with it and put my hands in cement and all kinds of crap. The watch got beat up and it still works like the day I bought it. And people want things that they can hold on to, right? Things that are yeah. quality. You don't want a $100 watch like... And, and not to knock any of these like more fashion-y type watch companies like like MVMT or like companies like that. Those are great watches. They're, they're, they keep amazing time. They're quartz. But they're not watches you're going to keep forever because they're going to yeah. break and you're going to be like, ah, it's not worth taking this to a, a watch repair guy and, and having him fix the guts on a $100 watch. You just pitch it, right? Whereas yeah. if your Rolex stops running, you're going to fix it because yeah. it's not it's got value. It, it, you know? Yeah. So, and it will last. I, I, absolutely. I, I slowly got onto the watch, the quality watch bandwagon. It was years, years and years in the making with Matt trying to educate me. And cause I wore shitty watches because I was like, I don't want to spend money on a watch, yeah. but I would buy a new watch every year or every two years. And eventually I started to kind of like, you know, appreciate a better quality watch. Yeah. And so when it, when I, I decided to buy a good watch yeah, and a good watch to me was like, you know, 500 bucks, maybe oh, yeah. a thousand dollars on a good, on a good watch. Oh shit. Yeah. And Matt and I were traveling. We were, we were in California. We were watching, we were at a, um, a PGA tour event, um, watching a friend of ours golf. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, we went into a watch shop cause Matt goes into every watch shop. If we ever go buy a nice watch shop, we go in and there was a 1969 Rolex, 
uh, what per, oyster per, not perpetual an oyster like the classic Rolex yeah. with the men's watch yeah. gold and I said I'm gonna buy that watch because it was just beautiful and classic and it yeah. met all my criteria yeah. it did, except for the budget it did not fit into the budget. No. But I said, you know what? I'm going to buy this watch. I'm going to have it forever. Absolutely. And it's the only watch. It's the last watch I bought. And I probably will never buy another watch. That is an awesome watch. Like that makes me insanely jealous. As if I haven't been insanely jealous of you already. (laughs) Now I'm even more insanely jealous. What color color did you say this oyster oyster is? It's a gold. It's gold. Gold. And then I just have a black leather strap. I did not get the gold strap because that would have been way, way, way out of the budget. But um you know, it's a, it's a few grand, the but black it's like strap on a gold watch looks amazing. My Seiko is gold and I put a, I had a black strap on it for a while and like, yeah, they're just, it's so classy. Cla- yeah. Super, super classic. Like it's just, it's good. It's good. That's an watch. amazing it has, watch. It has the date. I wanted the yeah. date and I wanted gold. And anyways, it just, it fit, it fit everything. All is the it criteria. A, and is it a day date? It's just a, or is it's it just, just a date. date? Oyster. Oyst- oh gosh! See, I know this I is forget where I, too. I, I get fail at watches. Me too. I, um, I get. I love. I know what I like. Like when I see them, I know the ones that I like because there are certain Rolexes I don't like. But I know I yeah. do like the Oyster. But I can't remember if it's if the Oyster. It's has not the, a day date because the day would. Yeah, it doesn't have the day of the week. The it day just would be has at the, top the number. On those, right. Yes, that's right, it and it doesn't like have that. It's, yeah. it just has the. It just has like the bubble. Yeah. The bubble in for the for the date. Yes. The, above the three. The, the three is yeah. the date. Yeah. The little cyclops. The cyclops. That's, that's what they call sure. it. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, no day, and it's not a perpetual. So right. Right. in 1970 or 71, like the year after my watch yeah. was, it became perpetual. So that it always um, cha- it always changes automatically to the correct date. So it yeah. Knows- and s- it knows yeah. when the when the the calendar moves, so you don't have a thirty one and a thirty. And and so the way my watch is is if I don't wear it for a while because it's mechanical, yeah. like it yeah. winds itself. Yeah. Um, if I don't wear it for a while, and so say say it's um, I pick it up today. What is it? Let's say it's eleven November eleventh today. Right. The date says twelve on it, yeah. and I want to go to eleven. I have to go through all. The, All days. the dates. I have yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah. Because you so don't I, want to move the movement to, backwards. You have to move it forward. Yeah. Well, but also I can't, I have to actually wind the watch through the hours. Like I, I can't just, I can't wind just the number. No. Yeah. I have, you have to, to pull wind. it out and wind it forwards. Yeah. And if you went backwards, sure. which you probably could if you wanted to get the yellow I, but or the, uh, the 11, let's say if you're on 12, some watches you can go backwards, but the mechanical yeah. ones, if you go backwards, it's not good for their internals. Not good. You have right. to go forward. Otherwise, you're so going to wreck a very expensive watch. Yeah. So it takes me like 15, 20 minutes to set the date sometimes <laughs> on my watch. That's the only thing. It's a labor of love, though. It's a labor of love. It is. I have a it watch is. that I always forget to wind to. It is self-winding, and it was a cheap one, too. It's made by a company called Invicta. It's like a Rolex kind of like knockoff. It's not yeah. a knockoff. It's sort of like an homage watch, they call them, right? And it's yep. mechanical. It's got Seiko internals. But I forever forget to wind the thing. And then same thing. But at least mine has, you can pull it out halfway and change the date only. Right, right. So you don't have to go through that labor of going all the way through it. I wish if I could go back and change one thing about the watch, that's what it is. But it's good. It's it's like a nice quirk. So there you go. Well, we're going to have to get together for sure with if we ever come that way or if you come back to Ontario and have a dinner when this pandemic crap is behind us. Maybe if this vaccine that Pfizer's got working will be available to everybody sooner than later and we can get sort of moving past this garbage that we're in. 
And then hopefully if you're down, we can actually have dinner and I can meet this gentleman and we can discuss things. And yourself now, that by the sounds of it, because you have a Rolex and it's making, and like I said, it made me very jealous. <laughs> I want well, to see this Rolex. You'll have to wear it when you come. When you I, can look at it and you and you and Matt can talk about yes. my Rolex. Yes. Let's, let's yes. say that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next? Good. For well, Ad- I look forward to it. What's next for Audrey Lou? Uh, well, I'm working on, um, well, I'm going to work on some new patterns for the spring. So I'm going to be working on some new um, tops, some short sleeve and some tank Ooh. versions. So I've got a dress called the Audrey dress and I'm going to be doing a, a tank. That's kind of the same style. So the Audrey tank that's going to come out for the spring and spring, of course, that'll be, that's around the corner in, in some ways that's around the corner. So that'll yeah. be ready for the, for the new year, probably be here before you and know it for real. I know. Yeah. And I'm working on some scarves. So I'm going to, I'm going to work on doing some just really simple scarves, but still vintage fabrics dyed. Um, and they're going to be ready for before Christmas, hopefully by the end of November. So they would make super great Christmas gifts. I think, I don't know. I, that's kind of the, the short-term plan and we'll just see like it's it's it kind of started as a hobby keeping me busy while I didn't have a job and kind of inspiring me too and giving me a new task to learn like to build a website what that was all new to me so it started as just kind of this project this kind of learning project and has kind of evolved a little bit and we'll see where it goes I mean it's it it may not um be a long-term thing but if if there's still interest if if months go by and there's still interest and still making some sales, then I'll keep at it because it's a lot of fun. I enjoy being in my studio every day, sewing and creating. So it's a, it's a pretty good life. I'm happy. I, I believe it. I, I, and you know what? Like, I, I really think as long as you keep making stuff, people are going to keep buying it. And, and I wish you like nothing but the best because I love seeing companies like this. Friends of mine that have companies that start up. Uh, my sister recently had a bit of a company that she started up selling some stuff and some natural kind of products and different things. And and, you know, I support all that stuff because I want to see it stick around. Now, the downside to your your company is it's it's based toward female, but that doesn't mean that I can't buy stuff for my wife. So we That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll have to find a way to, to make something work for her. But uh, if she's listening, uh, you're going to ha- you're going to get a present, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Angela, thank you for being here so much. We're, we're approaching two hours here. I try to cut these things off at two hours because we could talk, I'm sure, for at least another hour or two if we really wanted to. But I don't want to uh, keep you any longer than I need to. But uh, thank you so much for doing this. I wish you all the success in the world with your company. And let's do this again soon. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it, in person. Hopefully in person. I would really enjoy that. It's been it's been really great catching up with you. Thanks. Thanks oh for God. inviting me. Thanks it's for an, your interest it, and great questions. I'm great. so happy to be catching up with you because too uh, often we we don't catch up with these people in our lives. We see each other on social media, and I, like I said, it's. When I talked to you on Saturday, I was a little bit flustered with all this, with all the technical junk that I was trying to work through at the time. But it was so nice to hear your voice again, and it felt very comfortable. It felt like we hadn't, didn't feel like we hadn't spoken in twenty years. You know what I mean? Because That's right. we've been following each other, which is great. So, how great is that? That's kudos, a good feeling to kudos just to the pick social up. media. Yeah, in that in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Don't Amazing. Go, don't go anywhere. Uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in to the I Got Ask podcast. Uh, I don't even know what episode number this is. I barely put them out. But when I do, uh, I really appreciate anybody that listens to it. So thank you again for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, uh, share the episode, uh, like the Facebook page, uh, follow us on Instagram, and uh, keep tuning in because I hope to do more of these sometime in the near future. I'm kind of going into a winter season here for work, but hoping to keep putting these out on some kind of a consistent basis, even if it is only once a month or once every couple of months. So Stay tuned. I'm sure we've got more for you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again. Thanks, Angela.
Thanks.